I've lived the construction life. Now I am a high school teacher. But more, much more than that, I teach construction. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was, about, I was just about to jump in. <laughs> Just a little something to make it relevant. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Sure. That was fantastic. Derek, thank you very much for opening the show. Uh, this is the first one back here in Venture X, man. All right. Glad to be part so of it. It actually feels a little weird to be back here, no? Well, I'm excited that he did it his way. His way. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a few Frank tunes on the uh, show before, but not like that. I love no. Frank. That was good. That was good. That I thought was I good. had a little twist to it. That's all. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> what are we? Carlito, how's it going, bro? How you doing? I see that you got your beverage there of choice. No. <laughs> it's not of choice. It's I'm forcing myself. Oh, this of is necessity. necessity is what it is. Uh, that's a double rye. <laughs> we got an interesting show, Carlito. We've got Derek here, Derek Souza. So you're a teacher in a high school in the greater Toronto area. Yes. And you get to model and shape and prepare these kids. To the best to of my ability. Us. To the best of my ability, yeah. <laughs> to meet us. So this is going to be an interesting show. You've been teaching for 15 years. Uh, actually, I've been uh, in the industry 15 years, but as a teacher, I've only been four years. Four years? Yeah, so I, my journey took a couple of different ways. I'm on my third career, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, 36 years old. Welcome to careers. the construction life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're so young. So young. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's my fourth year at, this, at the school I'm currently at now, and it's actually my former high school, which is pretty weird. So you learned there I as did. a student. Uh-huh. Has it changed? Well, I mean, we're going to get right into it. For sure. So, Carly, I'm sure you got a lot of questions because we've been itching to have a conversation to speak to a school teacher for trades. Yeah, and I have so much more respect. And I don't mean it this way, but I'm going to say how it is. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for high school teachers versus college and, and universities, unfortunately. Why so. is that? Because they get to them first? Yeah. And, and you know... Colleges is the money? For me, it set me into construction. Mm-hmm. And the teachers spent a lot of time with me. They cared. It wasn't about money. Yeah. Different generation, too. But we'll get into that more. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So, Derek, we'll, we'll turn it over to you. You want to get just run us down through the three careers here and how you got to the teaching from there? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, I'm in my fourth year of teaching. But way back in high school, I found my niche in grade 10. Took a class in construction. And I, uh, I, I liked working with my hands. I liked building. And... Ended up following that path, going through high school. I ended up, and I was actually almost dropping out in grade 10, and I was going to go join my cousin doing residential. And in May of 2001, he fell off the roof. Um, he ended up sliding down the roof as they were sheathing it, and I guess the 2x4 rim that they put around the perimeter wasn't nailed properly, so he stepped up to that 2x4. It came out under him. He slid, uh, smacked into the uh, the house next door, went feet first, dislocated his uh, hip and uh, dislocated his leg and broke his hip and everything else, and, and you know almost died. He was in the hospital for like six wow. months, seven months, or whatever it was. I was like, okay, maybe I'll just change careers. <laughs> so I ended up staying in school, and thankfully I did because uh, I turned my life around. I graduated two years later with my class uh, after doing a couple of uh, summer school, you know, courses because I was uh, a bit slacking in grade nine and ten. But nevertheless, I made it through, and uh, I ended up graduating most improved student in my high school year. Good right for out you. of high school, thank you. Uh, right out of high school, I started my apprenticeship as a general carpenter with Local 27. Wow. Um, I ended up spending three weeks at a uh, Royal Orchard school, and we were doing the parapet wall around the perimeter. So that was oh. my first exposure to 
carpentry. So how far back are we talking about? You're our age, aren't you? You're uh, 36. Bit, oh, you're a little bit younger than us, So I said he's a lot younger <laughs> just, than just us. Just a couple of months. Right? No, no, he's a little bit younger, like a few weeks, man. That's all that was wrong with you, Carlito. Time's it's a new 200. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, first off, I just want to ask, is the cousin okay? or did he? He's was... fine now, yeah. He's okay. totally good. Uh, he's actually working in construction still. I think he's on, on the ground, though. He's on the ground level doing concrete. I think he even has a job for the city, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, but okay. uh, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's doing well. Thank God. Good, good. All right, so now we're back to you and, and the school. So you you graduated, you got into your first local, and then all of a sudden, how was that? How was that experience? It was uh, it's kind of frightening at first because, you know, you're working on the third floor of a school looking over at Jagged Rocks, and you're like, well, okay, I better be careful, right? Did so anybody prepare you for that? Not at that, not for that step. Like in no. school, in high school, did they actually go, by the way, mm-hmm. this is what to expect? No. I don't think that happens in construction a lot. No, not really. Especially back then. Back then it was more of a woodworking shop class. Uh, we're building projects and that. We didn't touch on too much uh, construction uh, in terms of building and all that stuff, right? So it was mainly like woodworking and all that stuff. So that's where I'm trying to change it now. And I'm trying to make it uh, so that these kids build the skills and learn how the, and build their work ethic so they understand what to do when they get out there, right? Oh, I'm so glad you said that, work ethic. Well, that's the thing, right? I always tell them it's, it's, it's everything. If you, it, the skills can be taught. But if you don't want to learn them, then no one's going to take you. No one's going to keep you even, right? They'll give right. you a shot. Nobody's so. going to want to teach you. That's right. That's a paramount thing, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I don't care who you are. We're not all rock stars and all stars when we get into construction. We, no. we, we have to learn it. We have to get to that level. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, you got to be taught. Exactly. So yep. that means you got to be a sponge and you got to be willing to listen to somebody else that's older than you mm-hmm. that knows. And, and you got to set your ego at the door. That's exactly. It. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So I was getting into going to an apprenticeship. I was doing my apprenticeship with them. And then uh, the winter hit on my first year, and I couldn't really get a whole lot of work. What happened is I ended up doing a couple of warehouse jobs just to kind of make it through the winter. And then a buddy of mine called me and said that they needed help with their renovation jobs. Uh, they were they had a contract with uh, Peel Living, government housing, that type of thing, and also had a contract with the school board in Peel. So I ended up going to work with them for three years and I was doing my apprenticeship with them, doing different jobs, various jobs there, you know, with them. I turned 21 and parents' benefits ran out. So I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm, a, I'm a type one diabetic. I've been diabetic since, uh, since I was 12 years old. Right. So okay. as a, as a uh, person who's no longer under parents' benefits, you need benefits. Yeah. So I ended up going back to the uh, carpenters union uh, and working with them for another three years to, to, you know, until I got myself certified and licensed uh, or certified as a carpenter. And then I applied to colleges, universities, hospitals, looking for something stable for, you know, a career for the rest of my life. And, and kind of we were looking into get married, my wife, uh, my wife and I at the time. So I wanted something, you know, with stability. Right. Because working construction rains, you know, and you don't work union sites. You don't really work if it's too cold. You don't work too hot. You don't work. So it was kind of a little nerve wracking. But I've always wanted ever since I was working with that other renovation company doing the work for the school board. I like that doing that work. I like going in different schools and doing different things, problem solving. One day you're fixing a door hinge, next day you're, you're doing floor tiles and plastering and ceiling tiles and all kinds of things. So it was so cool doing different things. So once I became certified in 2010, I applied to the school board as a carpenter. And Don't worry about that. That's fine. Th- uh, <laughs> yeah, no worries. Just had a Stop touching me, Manny. Yeah, I'm touching you. <laughs> getting the light. We didn't turn it on. Or did we turn it on? There it is. 
I guess it went off. There's no movement. It's a three-way. Unless they change that. Sorry about that. Technical no. difficulties at this studio. It's all good. <laughs> all right, we interrupted you. So it was, um, yeah, going to the school board. So I applied to the school board and, and got a job with the board as a maintenance carpenter. And that's where I spent eight years. A maintenance so, carpenter. What is that? A maintenance carpenter. Basically, you go to the, you get a you go to the work the, the shop in the morning, and you get your van, you get your work orders, and then you. What I did is I took care of eleven schools in a in a given area, and there were seventeen carpenters uh, on in the in the school the board in Dufferin Field. Yeah, really. So they had a bunch of different carpenters. Each one of those carpenters took care of uh, nine to eleven schools, depending on uh, how many schools are in that jurisdiction. So what types of things would you be handling? Well, well, basically going anything from fixing door handles, door hardware, exterior doors, interior doors, uh, cabinetry, flooring, uh, vinyl floor tiles, replacing them. Asbestos Ma- tiles. Uh, well, <laughs> we do learn Depends. about asbestos tiles, but it, uh, depending on level, whether it's one level one, two, or three, it'll be contracted out to big contractors. Level one, we, we, were, we were taught how to deal with that, how to wet tile down, how to wear a mask, how to dispose of it properly. So we took care of some of those things, but a lot of it was just maintaining the building, basically. So right? stuff that the students broke. Uh, yeah, sometimes uh, the, the custodians broke or the teachers broke or yeah. what Just even other maintenance people are broke and yeah, you gotta go got, behind them and fix them. Yeah, you got 500 people inside of a building and they're going to school, racing yeah. classes, and yeah. the odds are that you might break something here and there. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so that was a lot of what we were doing. A lot of what we were doing was just fixing door hinges because a lot of people, they open the door and they keep going <laughs> until it hits the wall and then they gotta, <laughs> we got to repair a, a bent hinge, right? That doesn't want to close anymore. Uh, so it was pretty cool. I did that for, like I said, for eight years. So you were in your union for three, then you did this for eight. Yep. And it was different and, unions. And that would have been, so you would have been at the uh, 2005 starting, getting three years out of there. Yep. And then you're getting closer to 2010. So the recession hit, and then you got into school. Exactly. And then you did that for eight years. Yep. Okay. So now we're coming up to what? 2018. Yeah. And that's where I got the job as a, uh, as a teacher. And 2015, I took a year off from the, main, from the board to go to Brock University. And I took my last year of the one-year program before it became a two-year. So I got in right at the edge of the window there. And then I got certified and then went to the board until 2018 when I applied for the job at my former high school. Because you had to go to teacher's college. Exactly. Because I I remember with my older brother, he wanted to actually, he was a coach and he was doing rep. And then the school was asking him to teach and actually be a coach on staff. And then they told him you had to go to teach and he had no interest in doing that. So he stayed on rep and and he focused on that. But yeah, any teacher that teaches in any of the school boards has to go to teacher's college. Yeah, generally, unless you work on a letter of permission, uh, which is not as common as it used to be. So it used to be where, let's say, uh, there's a mechanic out in the field or you know, carpenter, electrician, whatever it is, and they need a teacher to teach that course, either a transportation course or a construction course, you can get hired on a letter of permission from the principal saying that we need you to teach. You can come in and teach now and then go to school at a later date. So either you'll do a couple summers. Like when you retire? Not retire, just in the (laughs) summer, right? You can, you got to do it within a certain amount of years. I believe it's two years. Within two years of being hired on a letter of permission, you have to be, you have to become fully licensed as a teacher. So you come in unlicensed, uh, you can work in the school as a teacher, and then in the summer go to school and get your license that way, right? get, your, get your degree that way. Okay. Um, and then usually it's two summers, and in my case, I just took the whole year off. I was lucky enough to get a leave of absence uh, from the board, and they granted me that because it was for education. So huh. education, supporting education, which is pretty good. I'm actually you know, thankful and grateful that they did that for me. And then because I was trying to better myself, they had no, they had no real issue with it. And then 
lucky enough, I ended up teaching for the same board. So they allowed me to do that. And then, in, I guess, in a way, I'm repair, repaying them back by, by you know, becoming a teacher and teaching wow. the students within the, within the system. Win-win across the board. Yeah. And, Get and it I, across the board? <laughs> 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 but I'm bumped. Um, and, and I think that when we were talking on the phone, you were mentioning that the opening actually came about because someone was retiring or someone was leaving. Yeah, actually, that was my uh, shop teacher, the one that the taught one that me taught when you when you were in school. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So in 2011, but a year after, I had I had the area in which that school was in, and I ended up going to the school and then just kind of reintroducing myself and say, hey, you know, here's where I am now. Here's what I'm doing. I ended up staying in the classroom with the with the class and helping them out with the projects for the day. At the end of the class, teacher looked at me and said, you know, you should do this. I looked at him with a crossed eye and I went, do what? He said, you should be a teacher. I said, I don't want to be a teacher. You think I'm working in, you know, this job. I don't want to become a teacher. And then as soon as he said that, one thing led to the other. Opportunities started presenting themselves to become a teacher. People started retiring. Jobs were not filled. Shops were closing. And I had apprentices as a co- uh, through co-op as a maintenance carpenter. I was, I was taking care of the schools, and we would get co-op students from various schools within our board. So then I would have conversations with them throughout the eight years I was there. And uh, when I talked to them about apprenticeships, they were like, what's that? I was like, what do you mean, what's that? So the students didn't even know about that. Uh, yeah, some of them had no idea what it was, right? So I was just thinking, like, okay, there's something missing. So, again, everything started pointing to get into teaching, get into teaching. So I followed that through, and... Luckily, I, I ended up going to the same place where the seed was planted. I took over the job of my former teacher that retired, which is pretty ironic. And it was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I actually want to talk about three different worlds. Mm-hmm. I want to, like, if you can paint a picture to the listeners where describe what the world was like when you were a student mm-hmm. and you were learning in that same class and describe what it's like now for the students and what you've changed as a result of it and then describe what's missing because we know something's missing and what yeah. the future holds for these kids yeah. so we can make this better because Carlito and I and anybody that's been on the show, we're all huge advocates of we need this back in high schools. Mm-hmm. For so sure. if you can walk us down through that path, that'd be great. Yeah, no, for sure. So back then when I was in, when I was in school, we didn't learn much of construction. Like there's a little bit of theory here and there, but a lot of it was basically woodshop class, right? Everyone, everyone, the woodworking, yeah. the furniture making, the chessboard, things yeah, like that, yeah. birdhouses and and all kinds of stuff. And I I actually made a bookshelf when I was in grade twelve. Uh, we did Muskoka chairs, we did footstools. So it was mainly mainly what it was is woodshop class. That's you know we grew up in that era. What was woodshop? But that's not construction. That's not construction, right? That the title was construction, but it mainly was teaching how to build, how to work with your hands, how to use safety. tools. Safety was a huge thing. Measurement, calculation, it was all part of that big bundle. But I don't think anyone really prepared the students for work life other than giving them the basic skills with measuring and using hand tools or using machinery. Even when I was in as a carpenter, I, I would get these co-op kids and I'd be like, you guys, like, what do you, what do you learn? Like, do you not know how to do this and how to use this? I would ask uh, apprentices to get me like uh, Roberts and the Head Screwdrivers. Like, What's that? <laughs> I was like, do you not know that? And it could be the no, fact that yes. No, are you serious? Yeah, it could be the fact that they're not paying attention or... They're American. <laughs> they could look for the Phillips. You need a star, right? It could have been that, but there was a definite disconnect, right? And I think we spoke about it on the phone. There was, there's a disconnect happening here. Yeah. So I always say that there's knowledge and then there's wisdom. The bridge that connects the two is experience. And I think that's the missing key, was the experience. So what I'm trying to do now in my classroom is I'm trying to bring in real-life situations to a scale, right? Because, you know, we always got to worry about funding and, and, and money and all that. But I'm basically trying to scale down the projects to simulate the real thing. Like the project we're doing now currently, we have an L wall. 
So I get a two foot framed wall, 12 inches on center. And then we get another second, you know, 12, uh, 24 inch wall, 12 inches on center studs. And we put them together to make an L. Then in that L, one of those walls, we do PEX plumbing. So we do a little scale, 12 inch tall PEX with a four inch, uh, you know, four inch L that comes out of the wall. And then we do drywall on that. I teach them how to do an inside outside corner for plastering. We go over three coats, three skim coats with sand in between. And then the next step would be demolition. So in that one project, there's framing, there's plumbing. We do a little bit of electrical too off to the side and we do it, teach them four different circuits and how to wire, how to connect and all that stuff. And then I test con uh, conductivity and see how, you know, if, it, if it's going through, if they're wiring up correctly. Then we do demolition. And then after that, I take the two L's and I get the two groups to come together. And then the four of them work together to put on uh, eight rafters for a roof. And then we put the, uh, oh, the OSB sheathing on the outside and basically make mini dog houses. And that's, you, this is going to take the whole semester and we're getting to the end of it now. There's two weeks left in school. So I'm hoping that we get the roof on and, and you know, God willing, if we can get back into classrooms. And it sounds like we are in London. So hand cut roof, bird's mouth, everything? Yeah. yeah. Really? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. In grade, in, grade, in grade 10, we do a mini scale house where I take uh, lumber that I rip one inch wide by half inch thick you know, two by four scale. And then we do a mini uh, cabin. And then on there, I, I cool. show them how to do trust systems. So we do a little king post trust. And then when we get into an older grade, grade 11, that's when we start doing hand cut roofs, right? Because hand cut roofs take more skill. It take, you know, it's a little bit more dangerous than just doing a simple trust on a bandsaw. But I do try to teach them both systems because they're going to see that, right? If you're going to do a shed in your backyard, you can do a hand cut roof. You're not really going to put a trust system in the backyard on a, on a, on a shed. But if you do go into the industry and go into residential, then you know how to do trust and you know how to cut roofs. You know, how to, you work with angles. Yeah. Um, I actually discovered a cool way in how to do rafters with a speed square as opposed to using the uh, framing square that, you know, that I was taught. So then I am teaching them how to do the hand cut roof with the simple speed square. And I thought that was awesome because we have lots of those and they're easier to handle, easier to manage, easier, easier to read. You know, boss hammers boss. Yeah. Yeah. So you can actually use it as a speed square. Yes. Yeah. So the I angles and all that there. Too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's which pretty is pretty neat. interesting. Yeah. It's pretty I mean, cool. there's limitations, but it's pretty cool. That's right. Yeah. So that's grade nine. And then that takes you all the way to grade nine, 10, 11 and 12. Right. And that, so basically that's the project that you're tackling. Yeah, that's the, well, currently the L wall that I'm talking about now, that's a grade 11 project. Okay. Uh, the scale model house is grade, uh, grade 10 is what I'm going to focus on. And then usually grade nines, it's kind of a woodworking project. I do a little bit of introduction to construction and we do a little bit of theory, but mainly it's just to get the grade nines comfortable in the shop, comfortable using hand tools, uh, learning how to use a tape measure, how to calculate angles and all that stuff. So they end up just building one year to the next. And by the time they get out in grade 12, they should be work ready, or at least know how to do everything that is required of them. Uh, and then we also have a program called Specialist High Skills Major. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. But uh, it's uh, SHSM for short, or SHISM. What these students do, what's required of them. <laughs> Sorry. It just sounded like it's being taught by Snoop Dogg. SHISM. <laughs> for SHISM, my <laughs> Here's your instructor. Uh, uh, for sure. Anybody yeah, got good. paper? All right, never mind. Okay, we're going to move on. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a teacher thing. Everything's got to be an acronym. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's, it's, it's all jargon. Uh, so before we get too far ahead, it sounds sure. like when you were in school, it was more of a woodworking environment. Mm -hmm. But now, was it an uphill battle for you to get it to the L wall and to actually start framing in pecs and uh, a little bit electrical? Yeah, a little bit. Because when I first uh, got there, the students 
had a different set of skills, right? Uh, they were more machine-based, woodworking-based, and I came in with my construction experience with very little woodworking. So I kind of wanted to cater the program to my, you know, they always say teach to your strengths. Yeah. So my strengths were construction, mainly concrete formwork, because that's where I, you know, did a lot of my apprenticeship. Uh, but I did do a little bit of renovations, a little bit of framing. So I wanted to incorporate that. And then because I wanted to mainly get into teaching to educate these students on what they could be doing in the future, because there is a career to be had. Construction is not a backup plan. No. It is a guaranteed career. Yeah. And you can have that career for the rest of your life. Even if you do have a other career, you can do construction as a part-time job or, you know, on, on the side. Uh, I myself renovated my own basement a couple of years ago. It took, good, it took about eight months with, you know, me doing my daytime job and, and working at night. But because I had the skills and I, I did learn this over time and making connections through the job sites, talking to electricians, talking to HVAC, talking to, you know, everybody else on site, you pick up these skills. And then I had the confidence to tackle those jobs myself because of my uh, experience on the job site. And that's the big thing is what I'm trying to bring to the table. I'm trying to bring these students the experience so that they understand what is out there. And I think the hardest part for me is educating the parents. Because as oh, a, a thousand percent, the parents want their kids to go to college university because they want that piece of paper that says, I went to college university. Well, guess what? Apprenticeship program, you have to go to college or a trade school. So it is uh, the, the apprenticeship program. You know, it's, it's a year's worth of education condensed into six months and broken up into three parts. Right. So you do go to college for a one year program. You do get a piece of paper. But guess what? You're 10 months in the year. You're on job site. You're learning the theory or you're learning the practical how to apply the theory and that is much more valuable than just learning oh, a book for sure because if you can know how to do everything but never done it yourself you're not going to know if you're doing it right or wrong how are the students because i the only reason i bring this up now are they all tech plugged in and savvy because i don't know if you guys paid attention to the news media today because i only pay attention to news that's got nothing to do with the c word mm -hmm. so i i noticed that there was the gen z girls the TikTokers that uh, amassed $14 million as an income last year. Wow. And so they're making more than some of the top CEOs out there. So my question is like, how are the students? Because are they looking at this? You're teaching them valuable skills. It is a career. Mm -hmm. But are they looking at like, I can make a lot more money being a TikToker? I've had a few of those students, right? They want to do YouTube. They want to do gaming and they want to stream gaming and all that stuff. Mainly the because my, my course is an elective, it's an optional course. Usually the students that take those courses, they kind of want to know what the construction industry is or, or they want to learn those skills. It's not one of those classes like math or English where you have to take math and everyone takes it. It's a, it's a course where students want to take the course, typically. Sometimes you get the oddball who doesn't fit anywhere else, so they'll kind of put them into the shop, and yeah. him or her, right? Um, but... Mainly, it's students that want to take. So the you're already, they're already prepped to understand that this is what it's going to be yes. like. Yeah. And then, how many kids you got in each class? Uh, roughly tw 18 to 24. And what's the class. female male ratio here? Uh, currently, it's uh, three females in one of my classes because I, I right now we're, we're doing two classes per day with this whole quad nester system. And in one of my classes, I have two females, and the other class, I have three females. So you're uh, actually better than the national average. I tried to be. Uh, we did a lot of promotion to get some more females into the course. We actually tried to run an all-girls all construction class last year. Uh, we put the marketing out there. We tried to... Uh, put the message out in our school and our community to try to um, influence some of the girls to want to take it. A lot of the girls don't want to take it because it's a, all boys. Or yeah. They're worried about, you know, the outnumbering uh, in the classroom. But what I tried to do is I tried to get all the girls together and then all grades from nine to grade 12 have one class, at least to start, just to get the girls in there. And then just 
intro, right? Everyone, at least if they're all the same, they feel comfortable and they'll want to pick up more skills. Then hopefully my plan was once they understood this, what the value is, then doesn't matter who's in the class. They'll just take it. Yeah, they'll just take it. Yeah. And that's what happened with a couple of my girls. I actually had the first uh, female SHSM student sign up this year, which is pretty cool. I had her in grade nine and then grade 10 again, virtually because we're online last yeah, year. Yeah. But then she came in and uh, I guess she liked what she saw and she wants to become a carpenter. She signed up this year as, as, as an SHSM student or a specialist high skills major. So let's, let's chat about why are you so quiet? I'm listening. He's taking all kinds of notes. So he's I'm taking all nervous. kinds of notes there. He's like in the back of the class. He's it's probably drawing a, stick figures or it's something. It's going to be a, a rapid fire question. Uh, right, okay, Let, let's talk about the bad people here in this situation. Uh, okay. Me? No, no, no. Oh, when oh, when I say the bad people, the parents. The okay. parents that truly do not believe that this is a career. Because yes. that's your uphill battle. I'm sure yeah. that you got a student in there. They love it. You can see the passion. Mm-hmm. Like they're really interested in being in this. You can see them going down the right path for it. Yep. But I'm sure that their parents are thinking rather a doctor, an accountant, a lawyer, or a TikToker, whatever. Engineer. Right? Engineer, whatever architect. it is. Yep. How do you have those conversations with the parents like that? Well, typically it happens. Well, I've had, had uh, conversations on like parent teacher interview nights when parents come in and they want to know how their kids are doing and all that. And then I end up talking to them about the career. And how there is a viable career with, you know, six figure potentially to be made and basically telling that everyone's going to have a home or own a home. So I'm teaching them skills to basically fix that. Well, you hope, right? Yeah. With the market market (laughs) nowadays, forget it. Who knows, right? Good point. Um, But educating the parents is probably key. And that's that's where I'm finding a little bit of difficulty at first. And once I start talking about the industry, once talking about uh, the skills required and the skills I'm teaching them and the value that is in these skills, parents usually are on board. But a lot of the parents, they don't know any better or they have a different idea of what a good career uh, could be. So it's just missing the education part, right, on the parents' end. So as soon as we can educate the parents on how good of a career can be had in this industry, then I think the parents will have a change in idea. A lot of it is parents wanting their kids to go to school. They want that piece of paper. I had a conversation with a, a colleague piece, of mine. Really? That's... It's a lot of it what it is because, you know, the, the advice I received in, in, in high school was go to college, get a good job. I have a piece of paper. No, not a single person has ever asked for it. Like it just doesn't, it's like it's theirs, whatever. It's like actually just fell out of the frame mm-hmm. and that was it. But I wanted to find out, do you get more resistance from the dads or the moms? Typically it's the moms. The moms. Yeah, because the, the parents of the of my students, either the father's involved in construction or the mother's involved or they have family members involved because, again, they take the course. Right? Yeah. It's not, it's not something that they have to take. So typically there is somebody in the family that is connected to uh, the construction industry. And then that may not be good at all. No. And that might not be a lot of bad habits. Could be. Yeah. 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 And that's so why the deal with that once. Why the mom resistance more? They just feel that their son or daughter can do better. I think it's because the uh, demographic in the area, like we're in, uh, I'm in central Brampton. Okay. uh, So that's typically in, you know, Middle Eastern or, you know, South Asian community. And I think the parameters is that they go to college, they do well, they go to become a doctor, a lawyer, or you know, vice versa, or, or you know, no, you're right. things like that. But yeah. it's it's the culture, and I think the culture is changing slowly because we're seeing a lot more 
multicultural construction companies out there. And I think that they're understanding that now. There is a career to be had. It's not a dirty job. It, well, it is a dirty job, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, people look at the construction. It's a filthy job. Yeah, it is. You go to work <laughs> filthy, you come home with your clothes dirty, and that's um, what it is. And if you, don't, if you don't take care of yourself... I'm just going to say, unless you're an electrician, then it's not that filthy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> For right, sure. Man. Yeah, you go to, tool, you go to school, go to work with a tool bag and a couple of tools here and there. Um, I like always, to, they always have a rod. I'd like to take a time out and come right back to this. Go ahead. Uh, time can out. We do, can we do uh, construction bone? Oh, that's actually a good bone. point. Do you yeah. have a construction bone there, Derek? Construction bone. Safety, I guess, would be one of them. Is one of my things. So a lot of people, they don't want to work safe, right? I uh, used the example of my cousin way back when. A lot of them just want to get the work done, right? Even even when I was on site, we did a couple things that we didn't, you know, not supposed to do. But Just know, two? Just a couple. <laughs> Just well, you're not going to get the work done if you can't come back to work. Well, that's right. right? Yeah, you got to hurry up. True. You got to get the job done, right? Yeah. Um, but the uh, wait a second. I sat on a little Portuguese there. You port- you're not Portuguese. What are you talking Portuguese. about? I knew it. I'm Portuguese. I, Azorian baby. <laughs> I felt it coming there. <laughs> born born in this, Canada, but this, first language Portuguese. What island? And, uh, San Miguel. San Miguel. Okay. Yeah. All right. So my family's from Pico. And but, your cousin but, wasn't li- Ricky, was it? <laughs> no. Not okay. Ricky. Listen, Carlito, you're. You have all the free range to get all the creations on the show. I'll let you bring the entire country on the show. You can have that. But I don't know. For some weird reason, you're having a hard time getting creations on the show. I don't know if we want them on. Because the way they speak, it could be pretty aggressive. Incriminating. <laughs> pretty aggressive, yeah. Where were we? Okay, where were we? Were? We, were, we got lost track. Uh, we are on pick Construction bone. bone. Oh, yeah, pick a bone. Construction Safety, bone, yeah. that's right. Safety is one of them. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to control in my classroom as well the one of some of the challenges i face in terms of safety is having 24 students in a in a small space shop where machines are running uh we're constantly working back and forth so i'm always trying to push safety and my my students get annoyed too because i always talk about safety and they say sir why we got to talk about safety again this year like well we're doing it every day right same thing with measurement i when we when i teach measurement like sir we're doing measurement again yeah you know why because you're doing measurement every day yeah. So the more I can put into every you, second, yeah, it's oh. it's everything, and safety should be part of every decision we make on on Definitely. site and in the classroom. Are you teaching imperial or metric or both? Both, both. both. Yeah, and I'm a, be, I'm yeah. an old school guy. Uh, we're very close to American, and we do have to deal with both in in this country, right? Unfortunately, it should be metric. Metric's a lot easier to work with. I do teach both. But I also think thing. it's important, like, if you're dealing with an engineer, mm-hmm. you're going to be dealing with millimeters. If you're right. doing forming, you're going to be doing I don't know. Every engineer I've dealt with has dealt with both. If you're dealing with a contractor, it's typically going to be in inches, right? Inches, yeah. So Typically. Especially it's if it's an older, older contract. Yeah. yeah. But with the safety, so all the kids, you're just strictly using hand tools and nothing power? Oh, no, no, no. We do a little bit of hand tools, uh, grade nine, but then we get right into machinery. Try to get them comfortable with machinery as much as possible. Cirque saw. We do saw. chop saws. I, we have two uh, Dewalt uh, chop saws. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's a good starter tool. Well, you guys yeah. are doing picture frames, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. On, no, on side, I love Dewalt. I love Dewalt. On a side note, Fa- Fabio's been changing his entire arsenal to Makita. Ooh. That's my kind of Very tool. nice. I'm a Makita guy myself. So. I am too. Wow. So, um, <laughs> But getting back to safety, it's, it's, it's so important. People don't realize... It only takes a second to lose your finger. Absolutely. Planer, saw. Any tool. You know, yeah. it's funny you're, you're talking about your cousin falling off the roof. Mm-hmm. The only reason I assumed you were Portuguese is because I had a similar friend that was just trying to make some side money on the mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. Fell off the roof. He's paralyzed now. Oh, wow. There's no going back. 
Yeah. What people don't understand is once that damage is done, mm-hmm. you cannot repair it anymore. Absolutely. You know, and, and your life will change for life. For sure. For sure. Guaranteed. Yeah. You know, I see injuries all the time. People don't want to wear their harness. It mm-hmm. takes three seconds to put it on. Once you adjust and it's yours, mm-hmm. it should be easy to go on and off, you yeah. know, inspections. But I think it gets into a lot of a lot of the youngsters don't realize that when you're running a business, how involved you get into safety to keep everyone on site safe right. and not get sued and lose your business in your home. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's a big True. liability yeah, for not working. Exactly. Yeah. Are the kids wearing all hard hats and safety boots in the class? No, they're not required to wear safety boots. I am uh, as part of a teacher who's working for the board. I, have, I, should, I am wearing safety boots, but, but the kids aren't hats? required. Uh, no, no, not even hard no. hats. Safety glasses we do wear. Okay, uh, because of the power tools. Yeah, because of p- potential, you know, flying objects and things like that. So they do wear safety glasses when they are on the machines. Uh, it typically when we're at the at the desks doing theory, you know, uh, they're not doing they're not wearing safety glasses. But as soon as the power is on and we, the machines start firing up, everyone's got safety glasses on. Is it up to you? Like in the future, I guess, would it make sense to have the students all wearing hard hats, safety boots, safety goggles when they're walking around that environment? Because technically speaking. That's a job site. Yeah. And according to MOL, right. if you're on a job site, the moment you step on it, you have to have your PPE, right? It's a difficult sell, uh, especially with parents. And depending on where you, you know, what jurisdiction you're in or what, you know, municipality you're in, it's, uh, it's a little tough to sell to really, get yeah. the parents to buy safety boots just to show up to class. It's easier for, the, for them to say, okay, just take another class. Well, it's, I look at it. If I was an, a, a parent and if I was a teacher explaining to the parent, mm-hmm. this is an investment. If the kid's already going into construction, he's yeah. going to need this to stay in construction. Yeah. And to get the practice and, and the subconscious of wearing a helmet. Like now, if, whenever I take my helmet off, mm-hmm. I'm constantly hitting my head. Okay. And I'm like, yeah. man, I wish I had my helmet on. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like little things like that. I right? just yeah. figure with when you guys are doing demo and they're prying apart two by fours or whatever... Mm-hmm. And there's going to be exposed nails. Then you're walking around with sneakers. It, you know that's where the potential of actually stepping on something. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And I think if anybody's been in construction, I think I've had it done to me once, mm-hmm. and that was it. Because for whatever reason, I was wearing sneakers instead of safety. Right. Right. Now it takes one too. But it just takes one exactly. Yeah. Right. So I'm just I'm just trying to think of because I know a lot of the colleges it's just mandatory. All the students there, hard hat, safety boots, and you have to have all your. It should be. Yeah. Right. That's what's going to happen in the real world, anyways. Sure. Yeah. Well, They're, that's funny. <laughs> Depends on what job site you yeah. go on. Yeah, yeah. I guess or, with that, with the college, they're probably building a uh, bigger scale too, right? Because uh, they're probably doing full-on sheds or full-on houses, many at least mini houses. I know yeah. with uh, Skill Trades College of Canada and even the Carpenters Union, they build mini. Uh, it's like almost a single houses. car garage size. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's basically what they're doing. So I think I can see that happening, and especially because they're paying for the education. Uh, whereas my the students that are in our school sometimes are just you know, have an interest in construction or they just want to find out what it's about. So it's not like they're serious yet. I know with the grade 12s, once they get into it, they do the OYAP program and then they're definitely wearing hard hats and, and boots during the, their OYAP, their co-op placements. They have to do that. And then even in the SHSM courses that we teach, they are doing uh, their WMIS, they're doing their hard, they're working at their fall arrest, right? They're working at heights training. So they are wearing that at those times. But in, in the actual shop, there's no set parameters. So yet I, I, I'll just be honest, like, there is a little bit of uh, headbutting going on, and this is what I've been told, mm-hmm. between STC, Skills Trades College, and then OYAP, your school, and then the real world. I, I find that I'm getting a lot of tradespeople that have been on the show, they don't see any value whatsoever 
with the skills trade in the OLEAP. When okay. they get a kid from that, those two, mm-hmm. they really do not like the, the bad quality. habits, I guess, that yeah. they already instilled. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate thing is one is government funded, right. one is privately funded. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it that there's a nice little monetary attachment to it where you get a, a student come in three months or whatever it is the course and you pay six or ten thousand whatever 10, 000, it is yeah. ten thousand dollars which is a lot of money mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate that I, like we just met derek and i've spoken to you on the phone a couple of times i feel that you're taking leaps and bounds the kids aren't paying for it right and it's like you're finding these kids that have a passion for it mm-hmm. and i would love to have you describe what the future is in store? And I know that you've got a whole school board system and you got to get it all approved. And mm-hmm. if it was Carlito and I going in there and we were trying to teach this thing, we'd be like, listen, Schluter, everybody, okay? That's yeah. what we're going to do. We're going to do heated floors. We're going to do like <laughs> metal roofs. We're going to do all that stuff. But that'll never fly when you're dealing with school. But I just find that there is a disconnect mm-hmm. between all these different bodies, how I really wish everybody would just get on the same. Yeah, that's hard because, it, it, again, it goes to teaching to your strengths, right? So if you have a teacher that's background in electrical, another teacher's background in concrete formwork, another one in framing, it, to, to teach the same textbook, it's very difficult. So usually teachers only teach to their strengths. Yeah. And the thing that I'm finding, well, at least what I'm trying to do, is I'm trying to get these students to understand what skills are needed out in the field so they can go from a high school straight into apprenticeship. Because I believe wholeheartedly in apprenticeship. Yeah, if you, extremely if, valuable. If you're going to pay $10,000 a year for two years or three years to go to a college program just to start an apprenticeship after college, it's a waste of money, in my opinion. Right? I agree. You do learn theory. You do do practical work. They, do, they are okay programs. I'm not trying to knock the programs too badly. Like, uh, Well, let's just not say names. But these colleges, they do a good job at trying to promote skilled trades. But they're doing it an injustice by having them sit that long in theory. You're so uh, right. Well, 100%, because I get a lot of tradespeople that say, listen, that kid could hang out with me for one week, mm-hmm. and that kid will learn more with me on a job site. Absolutely. Because that's basically an apprenticeship program at that point. Yep. They will absorb a lot more than being in that paid college kind of environment. I'm not knocking that. Yeah. I'm either. just saying that there is a disconnect, that maybe you bring in more of the industry people. Mm-hmm. And you get them teaching. Maybe it's not about longer. Maybe it's not about standing around. Maybe it's really about getting them into the real world yep. sooner. Yep. Getting them straight from point A to point B in a straight yeah. line, right? Rather yeah. than going in a big curve. And I think because I came from industry, I know what skills are required in going in there. And I know what they're lacking because I've, I've worked with those high school students as co-op. And I've worked with apprentices on site. And they're not getting the skills somewhere in the line, right, between high school and in the workforce. So I think having that experience in the work site for myself... I know what's missing, and I'm trying to put that into the students at an early age. And I think most of them are getting it because even now I've had, I got a compliment last year from our co-op teacher and said that the kids that are coming out of the shop going into these co-op placements uh, are some of the best kids she's seen in a while. And I just like, wow, I think that's pretty cool. And I, you know, not only, it's, I don't think it's 100% me, I think it's them as well. They're wanting to learn. But yeah, maybe I am putting a little bit of work ethic into them or at least giving them the realization that you need to work your butt off. Like even for my classroom, I give them two points a day, one for showing up on time and one for doing work. If they don't show up on time, they get one point deducted. You should give them an extra point to show up early. Uh, well, then they got to come from other classes, so they can't leave other classes. Oh, early. I see. <laughs> <laughs> that would be getting yelled at from their Damn, period. that didn't work very I gotta well. Go, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> I'd be getting yelled at from their period one uh, teacher. But, you know, and I mean, I got a lot to talk to you about, and I want there's a lot I want to bring up. I uh, one, of the, one of the things that I'm noticing about what you're doing differently is, you know, you went through this course and 
and no, not knowing that you were going to be a teacher, mm -hmm. you know, you probably looked at the room and said, you know, what would I do if I was the teacher here? Changing tools, machinery. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was growing up, the machinery was totally different. We had, we were doing machine mechanics. We mm -hmm. were, you know, building furniture, yep. you know, before uh, Brian Mulroney took away all of our real technical divisions in Canada, right. the tools were different. The, just hearing you say that you you bought a chop saw and a miter saws, mm -hmm. you know, the realistic stuff that you're going to use in construction. Yep. Because a lot of the stuff that's still left in the schools, it's dinosaurs, oh, and you're not using me. that in, real, in the real world. They're dangerous, too. You're using yeah. that as a hobby yeah. if you're retiring or if you're building small little jobs. And that's, like, more personal. So mm -hmm. I, I think I like where you're going where the tools are changing and you're yeah. making you're making them adapt to what's happening now. Right. Because the schools are way behind in technology. And, mm -hmm. you know, we don't need these big $1,000 machines. We just need a miter saw, a table saw. Be realistic. What makes sense, right? For sure, yeah. And I'm, I'm in one of the older high schools in the board. And the machinery that is there uh, in terms of planer, uh, jointer, and table saw, that's been there since I was a student there 20 yeah. years ago. <laughs> right? So that was the original equipment for the school. General? Uh, general, yeah, the old school generals. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And they still got them there. They got the general lathe, general still table work. saw. I mean, they, absolutely, they're workhorses. But they then, yeah, you need the proper uh, a miter saw, a mm -hmm. table saw. Then you need all the uh, jigsaw recipient, like all that stuff, so yep. they can at least get a hand of it. I That's mean, right. I'm just uh, also Derek. Okay, so out of your students, you got 20, 24, 20, uh, anywhere between twenty and twenty-four. Yeah, per class. Where are all the students going? What are the trades that they're interested in? Who are the uh, front runners? More recently, now it's electrician and plumber. Smart. Carpenter is another one as well. Like I, I, I'm biased with carpenters. So I kind of I preach carpentry more than anything else. Uh, but I do present multiple trades because I know not everyone's going to go into one or the other and I want to expose them to as many trades as possible but a lot of the students that I'm getting now have an interest in plumbing and electrical which is great because we need them yeah um, that's the future that's where it's going yeah and then I even have some in uh, brick and stone masons uh, not very God. many yeah it's, we need Thank those God. and that's what I keep I guess that's a couple of the students that I talked to about that I told them that it's a dying, you know, a lot of people are retiring no one's coming in, in to replace them at least not as many people and the the money is great if you know what you're doing. Right? Get you them get to listen to the show with Mark when he was talking about how he got started and he did a search on Skills Canada and mm -hmm. he found out that that's where the void was. Yeah. And he started actually breaking down. By the time you're 25, you're going to be making 35000 a year. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you're like... 30 you're going to be making fifty thousand dollars a year at your brick lane and then that's the money that's attached to it well yeah. I'm, I'm seeing different numbers and for myself also it was different by the time i was 21 i already made my first hundred twenty thousand. Mm. you know working in construction so there's money to be made no matter what absolutely you just can't you have any callbacks and you got to make sure you do it right the first time that's you know right. what i mean i'm still yeah. trying to figure out so you could tell all the plumber wannabes that they'll be driving a porsche mm -hmm. because every plumber i know that's where they go. I mean, they but don't have white vans? Uh, sorry? They don't have white vans? Well, no, no, no. This is their personal <laughs> toys, right? Everybody's got their personal toys. But I'm still trying to figure out what the electricians are aspiring to. I don't know what it is. I think I get the sense of mostly muscle cars is where the electricians go. I've seen a few BMWs. My, BMWs? Yeah, yeah a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of them like to drive the M series. <laughs> because they're Portuguese. <laughs> and don't worry. I just had an M5. I sold it. <laughs> He's driving an I miss Audi. it. I miss it so much. Wow. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't sat in one of those ever. So me being in high school forty years ago, 
It was different back then. So on the prairie, the guys that were in wood shop, machine shop, auto body mechanics, mm -hmm. and every school had them. Yep. So everybody was doing this. This was typical of anybody, anybody's brother I spoke to or sister. Everybody was involved in the technical. Mm -hmm. Like everybody was in, in a shop of some kind. It yep. was it was always happening. Mm -hmm. That was actually what drew me to school because I was a troublemaker. Okay. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't a very good student academically. But yeah. When it came to the tech. I loved it, and that's what kept me there. Mm -hmm. The people I grew up with were all the troublemakers and the guys that weren't going to get their high school degree mm -hmm. or go to college. Those guys ended up in construction. Right. And that's where I felt that that's where most of those guys went mm -hmm. was in, you know, becoming carpenters or concrete guys and yep. so on. Do you see that happening now, or do you see more people getting into management and, in, you know, wanting to get into different ends of the construction through your classes? I think it's kind of the same idea still. Like even the bad kids, they'll go into, you know, quote unquote bad kids. Um, they'll go into the more hard trades because that's where they think they belong or that's the only place they think they feel. And that's what I'm trying to change because as a, as a carpenter, you're there from the beginning until the end, right? You, you dig out the foundation, you pour the, you pour the foundation walls, you put up the framing, you do the roofing, uh, you install the doors, you're there from, you know, start to finish. And I would, I always tell my students that some site supers, they were carpenters and, you know, just because you're going into a trade doesn't mean that's where you're going to stay. I can use myself as an example. I started out with a concrete form worker and then I went to renovations and now I'm a teacher. Just because you get into a trade doesn't mean that, you know, that's where you're going to stay. When and you say the hard trades, what are you talking about? Like concrete foundation? Yeah, hardscaping. the hardscape, yeah, that type of thing, okay. right? A lot of a lot of the people they want to get into uh, plumbing now because they think that's you know the ones that have an idea of what a good trade is. They want to go into the clean jobs, right? Just had a conversation with my students last month about plumbing and how fifty percent of plumbing is new construction, and then the fifty percent of the dirty construction, only about half of that is really dirty because you know you're going into drains, you're going into venting, but a lot of it is new and a lot of it is just maintenance where you're just doing water lines. I find that there's two worlds in plumbing. I'm mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of like even Rob Galaxy Plumbing. He recently just told me that he's eliminating all new construction. He doesn't want to deal with it anymore and he just wants to handle service. Okay. He likes the service going in, problem solving, taking care of it, get out, right? Mm -hmm. But then you get other guys like Costi and Flush. He loves new construction. all the new construction. Right. He goes in, it's a clean slate and you get started and you can build it from there, right? Mm -hmm. So... I guess a plumber, you just got to figure out. But all these guys, like you said, they went in one way, but you mm -hmm. you never know. Magically, you'll shift gears and go to a different. For sure. Uh, yeah. Or you, you may even go to a different trade. Yeah. Or you can get bored of one and go to another trade. It's like true. you're saying. Yeah. For well, sure. yeah. A lot like yourself, I've done every job. Like every couple months, I change my career. Yeah. <laughs> like wow. I'm in construction, but, you know, I'm doing concrete for six months. Mm -hmm. I'm doing forming for six months. I'm doing drywall for six months. Like, I'm constantly jumping back and forth. There's yeah. so many options out there. Absolutely. And you'll always have work. Like, what people don't understand is in construction, there's always, always. work. Always. If you're open-minded. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look at the cranes going around, right? You just take a drive in the city. You can see all the, cra all the cranes everywhere. Like, that's how I would find jobs as an apprentice. I worked on the um, Celebration Square in Mississauga. That was the okay. last job I was on before I became a carpenter with the, with the school board. I would go there in, I think it was January of 2010. And that's when they were thinking about getting going and they were putting up the signs. And in the middle of winter, we were out of work. So I would go to the site super's uh, office, the, the, the trailer, and say, hey, when you guys, when you guys think you're starting? And they said, well, maybe in a, maybe about two, three weeks, we can get uh, machines in here and start excavating. So I came back two, three weeks later. And I was like, hey, um, you know, I was here two weeks ago. 
when do you guys think you're going to start needing carpenters and, and all that stuff? He goes, well, you know, we're going to start digging next week and we'll, we'll break ground and we're going to need carpenters real soon. Next week, I showed up on the doorstep and he looked at me and goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm an apprentice carpenter. I'm in my third year apprenticing and I need to finish this so I can you know, become a carpenter. He actually took me on. There was no work for carpenters there, but because I showed up at the doorstep, you every showed week, up. I showed up early at 6.30 yeah. before the job. So I didn't even have a job, and I was up that early, knocking on doors. He finally said, you know, come on site. You can help us set up and do other odd jobs here and there. And then when the carpenters start, you can, you can you know, start with them. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Showing up speaks volumes, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I <laughs> it sure it does, kids. man. <laughs> I'm just saying it does from uh, what we gather, right? Uh, I would love to ask you guys a couple questions. You know, if I could go back and change teaching, mm -hmm. I'll start with Manny. The two most important tools that any student should learn to use in school. In school? Yeah. What do you think that they're lacking? I have two tools that I really want to mention that I think that high schools like yourself should mm -hmm. focus on. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I would missing? say right off the bat, circ saw and a pneumatic nailer. I think that these kids should be taught how to use a, a pneumatic nailer fast, mm -hmm. because I know that with colleges like with George Brown Humber, they're hammer nailing everything. Wow! Because then they take it, they pry it apart, and mm -hmm. then they reuse the lumber again. Yeah. Well, that's forming. But the, yeah, 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 I know. But the thing is that they're not doing. There's no pneumatics there. Have you ever been on a job site where there's no pneumatics? Yes. What are, how are they framing? They're framing by hand. That's and, wow. and and did they have little white beards that were going down wearing let, black hats? Let, let me tell like, you, I don't understand that. that man. Ninety percent <laughs> to ninety-seven no percent of in of government work, modern of, world. It's not there yet, man. <laughs> it's pneumatic. It's man. not there yet. Ninety to ninety-seven percent of of government work, like when you see city workers working, they are putting whalers up. They're putting forms up. There's not framing. one nail gun. Framing. There's not one compressor. Framing going. a house. Okay, if we're getting into residential, so I, I would yes. say a cirque saw, a good cirque saw, depending whatever right or left, right, mm -hmm. and then a pneumatic nailer. That's okay. just me. Okay, yeah. yourself. Uh, what I are you working on or focusing on? You yeah. must have something. I well, what I'm doing with that with my kids, especially, I, maybe I'm uh, I'm on the different end of it, but I see it differently. Uh, tape measure in a square or tape measure in a hammer. Because oh, I thought you were talking about even, like power no, tools. No, 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 that's brilliant. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, any tools in general, right? No, I, that's good. I know guys now that I hired that don't even know how to use a measuring tape. Nope. Like that's scary. I usually have it to is. buy them the cheap blue ones, and it says one sixteenth, one eighth, mm -hmm. like three sixteenth, and I I have to give it to them in front of the guys. Wow. I'm not trying to embarrass them. Sure. I have to let them see a visual mm -hmm. so they can get it in their head. Yeah. I had a couple of those tape measures in my class. I got rid of them. Uh, they're cheating. Yeah. I, I actually had... Uh, but some people are visual, right? Yeah. They need to see... But that's what I'm trying to teach, right? Like yeah. each one of those hash marks Habit. on the tape measure is a sixteenth of an inch. Yeah. Right? And then, uh, unfortunately, the tapes that we have... Well, I guess I shouldn't say unfortunately. It is fortunate because they learn 30 seconds. The first foot of our tape measures are in 30 seconds of an inch, which is great for woodworking. That's a good thing. It is, but then it confuses them, right? So this is where I got to spend a little bit more time, and the ones that do get it excel faster because they know how to read 30 seconds. But then when they're getting past the 12 inches, then they're getting confused, right? So they're always going back hey, and forth. Hey, sorry. Once <laughs> <laughs> uh, faster. Okay, so I really believe that, and I don't care what end of construction you're in, mm -hmm. you better know how to use a warm drive yep. and safely. Yep. You can rip a 16-foot 2x4 with a warm drive. You can cut plywood with it. You could do anything. Yeah. And you, if you don't know how to use a hammer, 
And I mean, a lot of people don't. They have a hammer. They got a five hundred dollar hammer in their yeah. pocket. Yeah. They don't even know how to swing that thing. No, they're holding it at the at the head, right? Yeah. You're trying to trying to. And the most important <laughs> jobs that you're gonna get, and if if you're not a leader, and you're a and and, and don't take it the wrong way. Like I'm using keywords. If you're a follower, which mm -hmm. means you're just an employee mm -hmm. and you don't have you don't care about responsibility, you need to learn how to use a hammer. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, we met, we mentioned earlier the troublemakers. It was just the difficult kids. I was a difficult kid. Yeah, so was I. So was I, absolutely. But then I, 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 someone sat me down and, and changed my perspective. It was my, you know, my guidance counselor. He pulled me in the office and said, you know, let's, let's talk. And we, we ended up staying in there. Uh, I would make, like, daily appointments to go in there, and he'd help me with my work, my homework, and get my mind right. Because I didn't care hear. about work. I hated work. I hated yeah. schoolwork. I guess somebody, uh, one, of my, one of my teachers saw how bad of a kid I was. And they made the appointment for me without me knowing. So the next day I got pulled into the guide's office. I thought I did something trouble. Uh, I thought I caused trouble or did something bad. But then he's just like, hey, what's going on with you? Right? Sat down with me. Just kind of got my mindset right. Got me thinking, got me forward thinking and thinking of the future. And then it was right around the time my cousin fell off the roof. So I just started changing my own mindset as well. Right? And then I got straightened out and I ended up following the correct path. And we're still friends today, Paul. Uh, we're still ahead. friends today. We're still Good. friends today. for now. Yeah, well, he actually hired me too. He was he, he was on the he was Wicked. on the he was on the um, I guess the the group of uh, admin that uh, that was on that was hiring me. So it was pretty cool. How we. So I, I want to share a little bit of truth here before we get into history. Ooh, you <laughs> knew I was going there, right? So I was uh, I, I was one of those kids because when you got the doors in the high schools, you had the hydraulic arms on the top. Mm -hmm. I was one of those kids that would bend the arm down. Oh, yeah. So when people open up the door. Mm -hmm. They would smash themselves, and then I got a week off school for that. <laughs> yeah, I was I was the kid that used. I just watched movies. Them. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going, Carlito? Uh, we are doing history <clears throat> with Manny, oh, gentlemen. What's the longest man-made structure on this planet? Longest man-made structure. The Chinese Wall. <laughs> the Great Wall. Yes, of China. it is the Great Wall of Chi China. <laughs> and any idea how long it is? Uh wow, I I I knew this number too because I was twenty one thousand one hundred and ninety six point eighteen kilometers. I was gonna say it's definitely in the thousands. Wow, uh, that's from a two thousand and nine estimate. Now, how tall is that wall? I got both. I got metric and imperial. Ooh, was it even across the board? I don't in think high? it's even. It fluctuates, but yeah. it's uh it's ten meters or thirty three uh, th thirty three feet high on average. Mm. But some areas go as low as 23 feet. And so the bottom of it, or sorry, the top of it gets as wide as 13 to 16 feet. Wow. wow. Now, here's an interesting fact. How many dead bodies? Oh, I knew this was coming. <laughs> How many dead bodies did it take to build that wall? Oh, wow. God. For as many stones as there were. 400,000 okay. people died during the construction of that wow. wall. 400,000 people. Wow. That's a serious construction site with bad safety. <laughs> <laughs> that was before the regulations came out. <laughs> I don't think they had regulations back then. That's where that's where the green book came from. <laughs> yeah. Half of them, half of them were heart attacks that just fell in. And that was history with Manny. There we go. So where, where do you want to go now, Carlito? Well, you know, as a business owner, so first I'm gonna say. I've worked for people, and I've always had my own businesses right. since I was 16. I've okay. always, even before that, I was always a great worker, and I was a great follower, and I was a great leader. Mm -hmm. One problem I always have is that 
anyone that I hire never treats my business like they would their own. Right. Why is that? I think it's because it's not theirs. A lot of the times if you're hiring somebody or if, uh, if it's, they don't have that onus that it's their responsibility, they don't care so much about it. It's when you put, like I, I, I give the example of my, my students, I give them a project to do and then I give them the option to make it their own. As soon as they make it their Excellent. own, they put the care into it. Like let's say, for instance, we're doing a hat shelf, right? I said you can do a hat shelf, here's the plan, or you can go on Pinterest, yeah, I know it's your favorite. <laughs> you can go on Pinterest or Google and find an image or find a plan that you prefer. Uh, we do the same thing with an iPhone amplifier. So it's a wooden, basically, uh, acoustical box. Yeah. And you drop your phone into it, and then uh, the way it's shaped, the sound comes out of the, the front speaker or the, the, the hole that they cut. But I said you can do this way, or you can do it your own twist. And as soon as they put their own twist on it, they put so much more care into it. And I think that's what's missing. If it's somebody else coming into a company, they're just there for, not always, but they're there for the paycheck. They want to they make money. But they that's the majority of cons- commercial construction. Like right. all the guys are all blinders. Nobody talks to anybody. Right. Well, I'm glad that you're, like, that's why I was asking that question. Because mm-hmm. really, I think that at an early age, we need to teach them how to become serious about someone's business. Right. And Respecting really, like, I, I try to tell people all the time, some of my best gigs that I've picked up, were just from helping someone and mm-hmm. putting 150% in, people always remembered that attitude. Yep. When you have a bad attitude, people remember that they don't hire you. Of course. They don't bring you back. Mm-hmm. If you are working for someone else and someone sees that great attitude and they say, hey, he's like, I've been working for you for a long time. And they typically say, no, I just, just, he just started with me. You know, mm-hmm. They see that attitude. And when you have an attitude where you go into someone's business and you mm-hmm. don't care about the money, you care about getting the job done and proving yourself and learning, yep. you'll have so many more opportunities in life. Absolutely. I really just want to kind of share that for anyone that's really listening. Right? No, that's a very good point. Attitude is everything. And if you come into a classroom or a job site with a bad attitude, you won't last very long. Or you're going to have a heck of a time trying to make it to the end of the day. So you come into the, with the right attitude, with the good attitude, with the learning attitude where you want to learn something or you want to accept the knowledge that you receive from anybody on the job site, you're going to have such a good time doing it. A lot of the stuff that I, you know, growing up back in the, in, in the early 90s, when we were on job sites, nobody really wanted to help you. It was like, no, this is my stuff. I don't, yeah. You're going to learn on your own. And I hated that attitude. And yeah. I, it was the same thing when I first started getting into teaching. It seemed that all the construction teachers were like, they don't talk to each other. And they're kind of in their own thing. Again, teaching to their skills. And then COVID hit. And uh, I, I reached out to all the construction teachers. There was a couple that I knew from uh, working in the board. Yeah. And then I reached out to a few of them. And I said, hey, how are we going to teach construction online? So then we had a couple of ideas. And, uh, and then I found out that this person had this resource, this person had this resource, and I had my resources. And I said, why don't we just do a, a Google Classroom where we're all teachers as in, in that classroom. And we just dump all the resources we can into there and then share it with all the rest of the teachers. We ended up doing that. Now we have over four years of resources pooled together. So if any new teacher coming into the board has no idea how to teach it or what to teach, we have a classroom full of these resources. And that goes from collaborating and communicating with each other so that we can build on that. 
And that's one of the things that I try to get to with my students is, is talking to each other, collaborating, right? You may know something that this person doesn't. So if you start talking to this person about this, that's construction. then both of you will get there. Yeah. Right? You're going to learn off the next trade. For sure. You I have, have one to. idea. You have your idea. We'll put it together. Hey, your idea is better. Let's do that way. Or let's improve on both of our ideas to make it the best possible thing that we can deliver. So Derek, you've been at it for four years with the teaching. Have you had an opportunity to actually see kids go through the system, get a job, go to the apprentice? Like, have you followed along with them or like, are you? Yeah, I actually got uh, three students visited me this year. Two of them are, uh, well, one of them actually, sorry, is working with the Carpenters Union and he's uh, started his apprenticeship concrete form worker. So he went through my uh, program, started the SHSM program, and um, then from there became an OYAP student and got in as an OYAP student with the Carpenters Union. And then once he graduated, he went straight into work and, and doing that. Uh, he came in to visit me about four months ago. And he showed me his brand new truck that he bought. He paid for cash. It's not brand new. It's a huge truck. Oh, that's truck, what I like new to hear. To him cash. For cash. And he's like, sir, I made so much money this summer that uh, I paid for this truck. And it was a 1999 Dodge uh, Dakota. Oh, he'll work his way up. But, to ones. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like he, he, he was so proud that he paid for that with the work that he did. Good for him. And uh, he was just so happy with it's it. It's responsibility. So he, I love absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And that's so this would be a... 19 year old kid 20, 20 21 now i believe yeah He's 21 yeah, now so he came he was one of my first students that i well, had when i first got there yeah. some of, some of the best and most successful story i used to around that age i used to go up to people all the time like mm -hmm. my friends parents that were successful yeah. and i'd always ask them you know how did you become a millionaire and they'd always tell me a story and one of the stories that i always heard from the european guys was i started with 100 bucks in a pickup truck mm -hmm. so it's your most important tool yeah for sure. So, it takes yeah. you from point A to point B. My That's first right. truck was uh, was a gift from my uh, then girlfriend's father. It was a 98 Ford Ranger that I bought off him for two grand. <laughs> and uh, I rode, it had 176,000 kilometers, but I took that thing to work every day. And it made me three years worth of salary. And then I ended up stepping up from there to an F-150. Nice. And uh, yeah, so you need, you know, your first truck's not going to be your greatest truck. So question for both of you guys, what was your first vehicle? It was a Nissan King Cap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, it, it, it served its purpose. Absolutely. Right? It was a regular 4x2. It wasn't even a 4x4. Four four. Mm -hmm. It was red. It was stupid. It was ugly, whatever. It was yeah. tiny, but it, it worked. Yeah. It worked. But, I mean, good luck on trying to get a kid to want to drive that today. Right. They won't. It, they yeah. want a GMC Sierra fully bells and whistles, right. $90,000. That's what yeah. they want. Yeah. You, can thank, you can thank YouTube for that one. Well, uh, we, <laughs> I come from a different time. Okay. So everything's expensive these days. Yeah. You could walk over to a gas station, say V plus or Beaver gas, and you could literally walk onto the, uh, on, on the side and pick a car for 400 bucks or mm -hmm. 500 bucks or 300 bucks. Mm -hmm. And these were respon mm -hmm. like reliable cars. Mm -hmm. So my first car, I was about 13 and a half, 14. I bought a Honda Civic. Wow. Yeah. And I drove it illegal on the roads. <laughs> Surprised. <laughs> I fixed it up. I flipped it. Then I bought a 74 Firebird. And mm -hmm. that just kept going on into... 74. Into, yeah. Then I became 16. Did you have the decal? Was uh, it black? Uh, no, it was uh, like, a, like a royal blue. Yeah. Nice. But it had a nice cam and it had that 480 cam. <laughs> <laughs> it was all quarter mile back then, oh, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. You only drove in a straight line, but, right? But my first real truck, it was a Chevy uh, van. Mm -hmm. And that completely changed who I hung out with, who I became. I had a bad crowd of friends. I still love them to death. Mm -hmm. They didn't really grow. Most of them all stayed 
the way they did as teenagers, they stayed as adults. Right. They didn't really grow. They're they probably find... gonna hate hearing it, but yeah. it's it's what it is. I separated myself by buying a vehicle that I could keep busy with and mm -hmm. make money and work on my future. Yeah. And that van made me thousands and yeah. great great friends for the future, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what a lot of that's what a lot of students and young people don't realize. You have to start somewhere. Yeah. You're not going to start on a step 11. You're going to start on step 1. And well, it depends on your parents. I, that's that's the thing, right? That's that's the that's the illusion. It's like, oh, because of my parents I can go here and there. But if you want to get into a construction industry, you're going to start at the bottom. You're not going to go and start reading blueprints and helping the site super in the, in the trailer while everyone else is down in the dirt. No, you're going to get in that dirt. You're yeah. going to maybe go fetch that coffee before you do anything else, right? And that's what you have to learn. As long as you're willing to accept that, then you can be chauffeured or you can be shaped by whoever you wanted to, right? Whoever was willing to teach you. As long as you did the grunt work and you're willing to take the hits, you can get taught and you can learn so much from anybody who's willing to teach you. But I, you have to be willing to learn it first. You're right. You're right. Totally. I, I think it's even, while we're on the vehicles, mm -hmm. um, two things, because I can see Manny's while brain. While we're on the vehicles. I can, I, I can see his brain going there. <laughs> what a pickup truck and a van does is it gives you opportunity. Absolutely. You can move people. You can make money. Mm -hmm. You can, uh, a boss will see a guy with a Honda Civic, a BMW and a Mercedes, mommy's Mercedes. I wouldn't hire you. And hmm. who do you think they're going to pick first? It doesn't matter if that van's rusty. Yep. They're going to go to you because yep. they know you're you ready for work. Yeah. Yeah. They know that you can haul their tools. Mm -hmm. They know that you can haul guys. Guess what that brings you? Foreman, supervisor, potential owner of your own business, mm -hmm. partnerships. So like for the people that are listening, the car should be the last thing on anyone's list in construction. Mm -hmm. That's when you're successful, you're already doing well, yep. and you're trying to save some money on fuel. You'll <laughs> eventually get, like you said, you'll eventually get to that ideal truck that you want. For sure. Or that ideal vehicle that you yeah. want, right? But it shouldn't be your first truck. No. Definitely. Hell no. You could have the best of everything like Manny. No, I do not. <laughs> Ducatis <laughs> and Mercedes. I, I think it's time for some Green Book talk, no? Oh, yes. Okay, so this will be kind of like, uh, this. I'm going to make it a little bit more fun. Um, um, since you're a teacher and you deal with deliveries and uh, getting your students out onto construction sites, one of the biggest problems we have is that if I'm backing up a truck, say to your school mm -hmm. or to a customer's job and I've got to go out on the street, I first of all, I want to tell people that unless you're certified or know how to operate a sign which is slow or stop, mm. you shouldn't be putting your hand up at all on the street stopping anybody. That's actually a law. Right. You cannot go on the street unless you're a police officer or you've been trained with the stop sign. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds cheesy, but you know. Trained with the stop sign? So when, when we're driving through these construction sites, we're, we're seeing these guys with the signs that say stop and slow. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for these guys. They're preventing us from getting into accidents. Sure. They're preventing people from getting run over. But they always have such over. excitement on their faces. There <laughs> are really exciting guys. There's one guy on Finch. He waves to everybody. And this guy must have ADD because he does this all day and all night. But he's exciting to see. Yeah. I actually look forward to seeing him when I drive across there. The, the construction's already stopped there now. Is there but a course? There, there, it's, a, it's kind of like the tile course that's been out there. It's a certificate. You get a booklet, you go over the booklet, you're just verbally approved to, to do this. Mm -hmm. I carry the booklet in my truck all the time and I always have a stop sign and slow because nice. I just can't go on the road. And if I want to stop traffic and control traffic, mm -hmm. a cop will actually assist me if I have a stop sign with me. Okay. If I don't, 
I can pretty much be in, in a lot of trouble. So my next question is, what <laughs> what is the penalty to controlling traffic without a stop sign? The penalty? Are we talking like money wise? Fine. Yes. Fines. Uh, five fifty. Thousand bucks. Five fifty. Five fifty. Okay, so it starts at two fifty, but okay. it gets worse. Any car accident or anything that happens while you are controlling that road, you are now completely one hundred percent liable. So right. if really? someone gets run over by a car and they die and it costs three million dollars, it's worse that they die. But right. let's just talk about money because people for some reason are more interested in the money than the death. Right. You're so, responsible. You're fully responsible. So don't go in the middle of the street mm -hmm. and try to stop traffic. Sure. You call a police officer <clears throat> over. They work for us. They work with us. Mm -hmm. I, whenever I see an officer, I, I wave him down. I say, hey, can you help me out for a second? I got to get this truck out on the road. That guy will stop traffic both sides. I get in and out wow. just like that. And if someone gets hurt, smashes into somebody because they're not paying attention to the traffic stop, you're 100% responsible. I so it can go from 250 that. to 5 million. Wow. Yeah. So it's just something important that when you're teaching, you know, your your students in class, you should tell them never to control traffic unless they either have a sign mm -hmm. or they've been certified for it. And it's a, it's a 5-minute course for sure. Just yeah. going through the book just to kind of understand you know, traffic the basic laws, traffic laws. Okay, right. all right, yeah. that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. but it's very serious. So, sure. just but for technically, if you had your driver's license, wouldn't you have already taken the training course? You have, but that doesn't make you a police officer. You shouldn't be on the street. No, no, you shouldn't controlling do it, traffic. But you should understand the laws. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so uh, what I'm bringing to the table is that when you take that responsibility on with your hands, just mm -hmm. stopping people and telling people, but shut up, stop, fuck you. Everybody and does doing stupid things like that. Everybody yeah. I know. does. And Every that's why I'm bringing, like they'll just get on the road and just do it. So I'm that's bringing right. it up. So if you create a car accident from doing that, mm -hmm. not the car that wow. smashed into that car, but you are now fully responsible for that car accident. No, you that. took the responsibility of yeah. getting out there. Yeah, for sure. Just it's by like, being that officer. Yeah. Right? It's, like a, it's like a first aider. Yeah. When, you, when you go and do a first aider, if something happens while you're attending the, you're responsible. You know, you're yeah, responsible you. For that, I, right? You have to ask permission. Yeah, for sure. And that one. actually now, they kind of you don't have responsibility over the person if you've asked permission. Mm -hmm. If you don't, then definitely. Yeah, uh, that was a pretty fascinating green book there. Oh, thanks, cool. Manny. Wow. You Very could nice. tell Manny was the guy out there on the street. <laughs> Stop. I always did that. I still <laughs> hey, Paj, he's a cabeza. Back to the students. <laughs> how do the students communicate with you? Like, how? Do, what are the, some of the questions that they're asking? Are they Asking questions that are getting them ready for the real world? Uh, well, a lot of the questions come in, uh, in terms of money per hour. How much money can I make out there? A lot of financial questions. Yeah, unfortunate. Well, not unfortunate. It is fortunate, but you know, that's, it, it seems to be primary. There's always the need for the carrot in front of the donkey. So they always want to know, why am I going to get into this career? Right? So, so that's mechanical usually. trades, if that. But the thing is, you've got so much preparation mm -hmm. to get to that rate. Yep. Versus getting into some of the harder trades, right. you can get into concrete tomorrow if you wanted sure. to. Yeah. You want to lug a wheelbarrow and everything, you can you can make that coin. Right. So they're interested in the hourly rate. Huh? A lot of the people, they want to know how much money a certain trade makes. Like is even, and I'm, that's, that's kind of what I do in the classroom as well, is I also talk about this trade makes this much money, that trade makes this much money. And then a lot of them want to go, sir, what, 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 uh, what trade makes the most money? I was like, the one that works the hardest. And look at me like, what? I said, yeah. You work for what you get paid for. Yeah. If you want to hustle, if you want to work 24 hours a day, if you want to work seven days a week, you can make a good chunk of coin. If you want to work two hours a day and hope you get paid for 10, 
you ain't going to make much money because you're going to be fired the next day. This is a great topic right now we're talking about. Yeah. I've never asked for a raise. <clears throat> I always got it mm-hmm. because I always proved myself, right. earned it. Yep. Uh, I remember one time I gave uh, a phone number for a laborer, one of the guys that would help me out once in a while. I was really young mm-hmm. back then. And I was like, I think it was like 17, 18. And I had one or two friends that would help me out. I always needed them to carry drywall or lumber, like yeah. give them a couple hours of work with me. And then I'd, you know, do the rest myself. Right. So one guy said, Hey man, uh, one of my guys called in sick. Can you give me a guy? And I said, definitely. You could take one of my guys. Now my guy's not going to behave the same with you. Mm-hmm. Like he does with me. Right. He's going to try to take advantage of you. He's going to do whatever he has to do with me. The rules are already set. And he knows how the program goes. Yeah. So anyways, that guy never showed up. Wow. So I got a phone call that morning. I already had my own job going. Hmm. And the phone call was, hey, your guy never showed. So guess what? You're coming to work. You know what? Hmm. I called my customer. I said, I won't be coming today. I got to go do something else. Mm-hmm. I went and worked for that guy for the day. Wow. At the end of the day, he offered me a job. Wow. I said, I'm not interested in the, in the hourly work. I got my own, my own business. He started subbing to me. That was State Farm Insurance. So wow. the guy that was running State Farm, the construction supervisor, he was the guy that I gave the labor to. That mm-hmm. became a huge opportunity for me just by proving myself not interested in the money. Sometimes it's not about the money. Absolutely. Sometimes if you, if you just get things done mm-hmm. and not care about what you're making, you'll be more passionate. You'll be more pleasant. People will want to work with you, yep. and the opportunities will be bigger. Absolutely. So and what happened the to the employee of the month? Yeah, there's been thousands. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to him? He just disappeared? He didn't show up? He just didn't feel like working for that guy. Wow. I was young already. I was I was only going to school for the first few hours in the morning, and then I had a midnight job, and then I was working after work mm. doing construction. Because I, I got into construction because I wanted to buy a triplex. I wanted to buy tools. I didn't get into it for the money necessarily. Mm-hmm. I was looking at building my tools up and building my own triplexes. Right. That's what I, that was my goal. I keep forgetting the show's called Carlito's Life. No, no, I, I just think it's important that you, we you know? share this with people because some people are so focused on the money that, but they, that's kids, that they're that's, never happy with their jobs. But so when they, kids, when they work, they don't put out the same energy. I'm not surprised that the kids are asking financial questions. Mm-hmm. I'm not. So you're a teenager and you're asking financial questions yeah. about where this career is going to go. But I think if you wanted $10,000, like this is the way I think of things. If I want $10,000, I'll get $10,000. Like I'll just make it. Yeah. Like I don't think about uh, hours. Like I just. No, but they do it. So then if you tell them, okay, for whatever's sake, uh, argument's sake, if you tell them that HVAC and electrical and plumbing are the highest earning ones, mm-hmm. are you going to see the classroom start gearing towards those? Not in my classroom. I'm okay. still gonna. I'm still gonna introduce all the trades, and then the students can make up their own minds what they want. Because I'm at the end of the day, I'm a carpenter. I like to teach carpentry. I like to introduce electrical. I'm not by means an electrician, but I'm gonna give them the basics on how you know how to wire up connections, probably how to go clockwise over the screw, and why you go clockwise. I bring in a little bit of plumbing this year because it's I. It's funny. I love that, no by the way. Oh, it's, you, you gotta see. I do that with the screws too, <laughs> all the time. Quick release. And even that. And even then. Uh, I, I, it's funny because when you know you got the clockwise going on one side, and then as soon as you turn the the uh, receptacle they're over, confused. they're going the other way. It's like, what do you mean? I, I, put, I put it on the same way. I'm like, you no. just turned the planet on the axis on yeah. the other way. And not getting too far away from what we just started, mm-hmm. and you know, I've heard this plumber, like electrical electrician, 
a dozen times. Yeah, me too. And I definitely will say that electrician has more opportunity in construction than any trade. Absolutely. But, but I will say this, and you can admit to this, and so will everybody else in construction. It doesn't matter that they're making the most money because I don't call back half the guys that are out there. I don't use the same plumber. I don't use the same electrician. And there's a reason for it. They don't show up. They change the price. They screw me over somehow. Mm -hmm. And it, there's more to it than just the money. Right. And it's about character. Absolutely. You know, and, we're, and, the, and what I'm trying to build up is about your character. If you, if you become a, 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 someone that is responsible and not worried about the penny but mm -hmm. the relationship, yep. you're going to have work. For sure. And but if I, you want it too. I guess that there's a lot of, okay, do you speak to the kids about what are they passionate about? Like, because every kid's going to have, they're going to get drawn. Let's say to woodworking. They're going to get drawn to concrete. They're going to get drawn to all these different trades. Yeah. But it may, like it's, Carly has got a valid point. It's not necessarily about the money. No. And, and you got to also understand that you got to earn that. You got to get to that point. So you may not make the money that you want at first, yep. but you're eventually, depending on how hard you work, that's how quickly you'll get there. Yeah, exactly. But I, I would say about electrical, out of the three there, electrical is the one that you can get certified here in Canada and you can still work in the States. If you wanted to go that route, you can go to Europe and you can still work there too as well because you've got the basis of everything. Okay. With the other trades, it's not necessarily the same. You can get into different parts of the world and you can do some framing or some concrete. But I mean, outside of North America, no, you're right. there's you're no right. framing. Yeah. It's different. Uh, it's different. But electrical carries over. But there is forming. There is a lot of forming. There's a lot of forming. Right. So yeah. if you're a framer, you could probably get a lot of work outside of this country yeah. and go from there. So Different I think, regulations, but yeah. Yeah, it depends idea. on that. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's what I've learned is that the electricians have more opportunities. They are cleaner. But, but, but <laughs> we can say that the electricians and plumbers will make more money. But what's happening right now in this time of in our life is the block layers and the framers Masons. are going to kill Masons. electricians and plumbers because yeah. there's nobody left as masters anymore. I know, Mason. There's I know. no yeah. real trades left. It hasn't been passed on, and no one's taking it. No one's looking at the bigger picture. Nobody wants to work hard. And you know what? I'll tell you something. I can get a job any day. Yeah. There's never one but day. But it's a double-edged sword. With my legs or without my legs, without it's, my hands. It's or a double-edged I can always okay, work. So I understand that we need more Masons, but the problem is that as fast as we're losing Masons, we're gaining different types of materials to be installed as cladding. Yeah, so it's not right. necessarily brick or stone. Mm -hmm. You start shifting into more stucco. You're Fiber getting glass. into long boards. You're getting into Foam. siding. I just saw a new product the other day, which is a metal siding out of Quebec. And it, it's got a wood grain on it. And I'm like, that's siding applications. It's not a mason's job. So I, I just, I, I get the sense that as we lose them, we're getting more products on the market that we don't need them for. And we spoke about this with Danny, where mm -hmm. it's like, you're getting into the prefabs now. You're getting a whole wall that's made in a, a warehouse and it just gets dropped in place. Yeah. Yeah. But here, here's, here's a, again, this is not about me, but I'll make it about me. <laughs> <It's a Carlito laughs> life. So after this podcast, yeah. I just worked a full day. Mm -hmm. I've been up since 4.30. And, you know, <laughs> came here because I want to give back because I never had this growing up. I never had anyone that would give for free. Everybody wants something. We come here for free. Yeah. There's nothing except, what, yeah. except for making everyone part of the same team. It's about all of us working together and learning how to work together because that's what is all this construction industry is, is working together. For, sure. for Here's an example. One of my friends, he used to work for me. Now he's doing so well. 
He's way more successful than me. He's made different moves, had different relationships. Mm -hmm. He just called me up and said, hey man, after your podcast night, can you come and mud my new, my new store? No problem. I'm going in there for free. It's not about the money. Mm -hmm. It's about the relationship. But I'll tell you something. If it ever comes to the point where I don't have any work, guess what that guy's going to do for me? He's going to do the job. He's always going to have work for me. Yeah. And another thing, just so everybody can hear it, I know, I know an electrician can make $15,000 in one week. I can go mud a house right now and make $3,500 a week. Mm -hmm. The money's there. If you want to take three or four weeks and you want to show up at 10 o'clock and leave at four, <laughs> good luck. You'll be making three thirty five hundred in two months. Yeah. It's about you know the time that you put into it, what you put into it, yeah. and what you're getting out of it, right? Yeah, and it's about relationships. A lot of it is relationships. Like I, I totally respect what you guys are doing here with this podcast because you are you know you're not getting paid for. It. You're not sitting here. No one's waiting to to give you a paycheck at the end of the week for this show. Wait, you're not, this. Manny. You promised me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That You're was 2025 or something like that. <laughs> I, I can't remember, man. But uh, how did yeah. you find it, Derek? How did I find what? The show. Uh, I, I loved it. Uh, no, I'd no, actually... but how did you find it? You just did a search? Oh, it was uh, through um, uh, one, of the, one of your guys' uh, landscapers. Um, John McClendon? No, uh, Stone, Stone Guy. Uh, Souza. Souza. You're talking landscape. about John? Greenstone? Souza's Landscape. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, Marcelino. Marcelino. Portuguese again. <laughs> he, uh, it's actually, we followed each other uh, through the uh, Augustine construction. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, app that I have, right? Or the Instagram. God, so that's how so then I followed it. him, and he liked one of my posts, and then I saw one of his reposts, and it was his Construction Life podcast. And I went, that's cool. And then I made a comment on one of your jobs with yeah. throwing the toonie across the floor. Yeah. Oh, and a tile then, setting? Yeah. It was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a whole room and there was a bunch of clips on the floor and it was all tile setting. I'm like, hey, that looks pretty cool. You should throw a toonie down, making a comment. And then he fired back with his own question saying, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a high school teacher. And here I am. Right. And that's how it was. We yeah. got to get Marcelino That's back so on the funny. show. That's that funny, is, but yeah. hey, I, I got to say this. Uh, I was on the show and I was working at George Chevelle's place. So okay. he's Croatian. I'm Croatian. Yeah. I was very excited that this guy was a, a you know world boxer, world class oh, boxer. Oh, yeah. yeah. And right so I, I was working at his house and I laid the tiles there. Mm -hmm. This is way before the clip systems ever even were invented. So we just had to. You know, by hand, labor. yeah, you, you didn't need to do the slump because if you didn't know the slump, it mm. would sag. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I remember on camera, Mike took a, a, a loony and he was like, okay, here it is, Carlito. <laughs> Let's see what you got. And he slid that across and I watched that loony go across. And I was like, no, no, it didn't do it. And I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great feeling. Holding your, holding your breath the whole time. We're like, please don't jump. Fantastic feeling. <laughs> wow. Yeah, a little side note. I got to actually met George Chavala once. Uh, he's amazing. In a boxing, and he yeah. signed my glove, my first ever boxing glove. Oh yeah, I got. Uh, I have it in my in my uh, in my basement. That is know. wicked. Right cool. on. <laughs> Six degrees of separation. Right, we're always yeah. connected. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, moving along, Carlito. Uh oh. <laughs> what do you want to do now? Well, we got lots to talk about. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> three letters. Three letters. O B C. O B C. O -B -C. <laughs> oh, sometimes I'm a little rough. It's Question long days Question for you gentlemen <laughs> and the listeners out there. How far can you cantilever a 2 by 8 deck joist? 2 by 8 deck How far can you cantilever? Two Maximum cantilever. Feet. Well, that's a two-part question. Mm, I got other questions that are attached to it, but that's, yeah. it's not actually a two-part well, question. That's what it's attached to. First of all. 
<laughs> Maximum cantilever I, overhang of a two by eight joist is two feet, sixteen inches. Sixteen inches. Wow. That's the maximum. Sixteen wow. inches. If it's a two by ten, you got twenty four inches. You That's can cantilever right, okay. from there. That's right. Now, how obviously you guys better know this, or else we're just closing up shop. How deep do you do deck footings? Well, that's a two-part. <laughs> no, it's not a two-parter. <laughs> it should be six to eight feet, but it's right. at four. Four feet. Okay, but now below the frost line. What's the width of that footing? Uh, that depends on the weight. Uh, new BS code, code oh. known as the Sasquatch, or also known as the Bigfoot. <laughs> eight inches. <laughs> you have to have a minimum footing of twenty-four by twenty-four by eight inches. Wow. Oh. That is not enough. Come on, man. Like, that's just absolutely ridiculous, right? Maximum span of a 2x8 deck joist. That's gentlemen. carrying a house, by the way. You know that, right? I know. It's a yeah. joke, though. I'd rather yeah. go helical pile. What yeah. is the maximum span for a 2x8 deck joist? Maximum span. Well, I, I, I won't Good go question. anything more than 24. I'll tell you that. <laughs> 16 foot 6 inches. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. So is a joist oh, hang? Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, sixteen foot six inches. That's sorry. the maximum I, I, span. I misunderstood the question. Sorry. Two by eight. I guess on a sixteen-inch center. Is a joist hanger stronger than nailing? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is, yeah, gentlemen. Absolutely. Joist hangers are better because they allow for more accurate placement of joists. They also allow for toe nailing. So you actually have two options to secure that joist hanger to it, instead of just nailing, which is just toe nailing, right? And that's it, gentlemen. That Excellent. was the OBC there. And that was OBC with Manny. And I totally <laughs> forgot about that one. <laughs> oh, actually, I just had another. Set. So why deck posts should not be set in concrete? Ooh. Rot and moisture. It just says deck posts should always be placed on top of the footing, not inside the concrete. On a because it can break. And that's the stress factors on the corners. Yeah. It's true. And then you'll see guys use a 4x4 four four post and an 80-inch sauna tube. Dude, mm-hmm. we, just, we just did a big fence at our place. Yeah. And no concrete. We just put it in the dirt. Screening the posts, yeah, yeah, uh, dude. The fence that was there before uh, it was 50 years and never moved. Was you it, scr- was it screening or dirt? It? We had a tree fall on it, so we had to replace it. Okay. So we just replaced the whole thing, went right back into the soil. Yeah, dude, it's <laughs> not moving, man. Do you want me to rebuild it next year? No, you won't have to trust me. <laughs> I used to, hey, you better watch that. out. I built a deck for you. <laughs> on <a> staircases. <laughs> Oh, wow. What I else do you want to chat about, Derek? Oh, no, I was going to say, I used to work with a guy who uh, would always talk about using screening as uh, screening and water as, as uh, setting posts way back when. But it doesn't. I do, hate screening. I, that's, that's what I thought too, right? I but he's hate like, oh, screening. we just do screening. So a little bit of water, screening. What's he using these days? HPV? <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> I know. It just doesn't matter. It's even it's worse. Like, it's called a joke. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's late in the day. It's, all, it's been a long podcast. Well, they got the foam now. <laughs> Uh, oh, the one where you break in the bag and you pour it into it. But the wow. foam is a commercial application, so I, I don't like that going and that's chemicals. Aren't all in the, the street posts nowadays put in with the foam? No, they're dry. Dry right, right into, into the, the ground? ground and tamped in, buddy. How yeah. deep? Well, that depends on the on oh, the post high. and the load and the area for wind and and how many wires are hanging off it. Are or they still cables. installing them as wood posts, or are they using the concrete? Yes, it's always wood. Always oh, wood? Yeah. Wow. Concrete breaks. Do you not see all the poles? They're all cracked. The rebar's split. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they do it, but there's nothing better than wood. Yeah. It's flexible. It moves, right? Sure. So I guess I want to talk about the future that you've, you've changed the, the classroom a lot different than what you had it right. as. Yeah. How are you going to leave it? Well... That's going to be a long time. I still got 20 years for that. Yeah, but so I, the evolution here. So from now until then, yeah. what would you like to see in the classroom? And, and so I guess these kids could have 
more opportunities. Well, I'd like to see more full-scale projects, which is kind of what I'm hoping to do in the near future. I want to actually build sheds in the classroom. So either as in pieces with different students, like a group will do one wall, another group will do another wall, another group will do a floor. But eventually I want to bring in real-life application into the classroom, build that full-scale funding, you know, pending funding, obviously. Give these kids real-life experience so they can take that and go right to work. I think I'm doing that now at a smaller scale and yeah, they're getting the concept and then hoping, I'm um, hoping that they can apply it to a full scale. Work ethic is one thing, right? I think I'm, I think I'm doing a good job of that. I, uh, I feel like I am. I, the students are more eager to want to learn new, new, new tricks and you know, new applications. The work ethic is, I feel it's getting better since day one being in that school and, and then the new uh, class of coming through in the future. I want to see, real life application in the classroom if we can get it and that is again in what funding. levels like what what do you like bringing full-scale projects or even getting uh they used to go on site and then uh i think it was my old shop teacher that took a group on site and uh, didn't work out too well because there was too much uh, extracurricular activities happening on site um hmm. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and I, those those students should have been separated from that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Those, the students were doing it, or were the the, the guys that were working on the site? The students. Oh, uh, the students. Yeah, were... the students were doing extracurricular activities. <laughs> I can't in, help it, but I was one of those students. <laughs> yeah, both in uh, both in horticulture and. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the other problem? The but other I, problem I wonder was, if they uh, got it from some of the guys well, on site. Well, there's always drinking. There's Education. always drinking. Well, there's that, and then yeah. there's the actual uh, body exploration i think you want to call it yeah uh, that's a good explanation that's yeah. a good explanation for hey, it you know <laughs> on site that's, that's what we're interested in that age yeah <laughs> they're here they're here for a credit right they're not here really to work but yeah. he, took a, he did take us a crew on site and uh, there was a situation where a parent had to be called and that student had to be pulled off site and holy suspended. cow i had a teacher he would uh give us prizes at the end of the week mm -hmm. Uh, they weren't big. He took he he took his own personal money out of right. his pocket, and he would s basically say, you know, first prize, second, third. There's no other winners. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's a funny segue from um. what he just shared <laughs> <laughs> to what you just shared. Different, different type of prizes, <laughs> not that kind of prizes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but there well, was incentive to like yeah. do your best, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a shame because I mean I think I would really embrace that where that's a huge opportunity for the kids to see. Real construction, yeah. real site. Obviously, yeah. you'd have to get on a proper job site. Right. And, but the thing is, then you have to supervise every single kid to make sure that they're not going to do all that kind of BS. Yeah. Right. And then who would be in my classroom? That's the other problem, right? Because yeah. we teach three classes per day as teachers. So in, in a regular semester day, there's four classes per, for the kids. And then one of our prep, one of our periods is a prep period. So we teach three classes per day. So having one group go on site, who's going to be in the classroom? I think you get Benefit. to a custom. If you get to a custom job site yeah. at a certain point, mm -hmm. I think you get us. We'll be the supervisor. We'll like we'll take these five kids here, and every trade takes five kids. Oh, you and, mean like on site? Yeah, and on yeah, site. Yeah. So you'll get like let's say we just make it the school day, right? And you get the electrician to take five kids. You get the plumber to take five kids, yeah. and you get everybody taking right. And right. then they could all talk about real construction. Sure. But I don't know whose job site. I would do that on mine. Yeah, we do have some cool stuff coming up ahead. I'm hoping that Manny already discussed something with you today. But what? I didn't. What? We'll talk about it off air. I don't know what you're talking about. There's some surprises up ahead for for oh, everyone no, no, that no, listens. Don't, don't discuss that. What's wrong? With I'm you? not. Are you talking about I'm that? Not. Yes. Of no, 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 no. Don't discuss that. <laughs> um, you got to keep so, that a surprise. So That's what's happening to the fall. So what I want to say to you, mm -hmm. as a company owner and laborer, I think that the most important thing about every single day on a construction site is 
the first five minutes at work. Next to being five or 10 minutes early, mm -hmm. which is the given, because if you're showing up five or 10 minutes late, nobody ever forgets that. No. You're always the joke. You're always the joke. It's important, but it's not the most important. Mm -hmm. I believe that when you show up at a job site, whoever's running the site should have a tailgate meeting, which is a safety meeting mm -hmm. at the beginning of the shift, should be the first five minutes before work or five minutes into work, mm -hmm. depending on the crew. I think that talking about the weather, talking about the project and being part of the project so that throughout the day, you're not looking for something or have an excuse to find what to do, mm -hmm. but being part and have the responsibility of knowing what's happening at the job site. I don't know if somehow you can add that into, if you already haven't, yeah, that's funny you, mentioned you know, that. a yeah. tailgate safety talk at the beginning, you know, weather, tools, the mm -hmm. job, which trades will be coming in. Uh, what inspectors were, uh, were expecting to see, uh, the fines that are due if we don't have those things What time ready. does school start? Uh, for us, it's 8 12. 8 12 to about 2 15 in the afternoon. 8 12? 8 12. It's a weird schedule, yeah, because there's 75 minutes so a day. So Because of the jurisdiction, some schools, like a high school, starts at a different time. And I guess with busing and traffic, they plan the school times differently. Uh, but 8.12 is when we get into school. 8.15, uh, like homeroom starts at 8.12, and then 8.15, the bell rings, so they should be in class by then. Oh, I morning got it. And, morning okay. announcements and everything else. So it's 8.15 to 2.15, typically, on our day. But yeah, to, talking about the, the safety meeting, we always start with the review of yesterday's class. So when we come into class, guys, here's what we did yesterday. We're going here, here, here. You should be here, or are there any difficulties with yesterday's class or, or yesterday's, you know, did you find difficulty with the project yesterday? So we usually have that five-minute talk, and I do it mainly to refocus wherever they're coming from. Let's say they're coming from home, if it's period one, or if they're coming from period one from, you know, to period two. We sit there, we talk, we get everybody thinking about the task at hand or the safety or whatever we're doing that day, and we always have that five minutes just to kind of, focus on, on, on the topic at hand. And then we have a discussion of where we were yesterday and where we're going today. And I usually do that pretty much every day. And yeah, uh, that's a good thing. I, I think about. it's, I think it makes everyone really connect to the job, mm -hmm. but even more important, if you're new on the job site, typically I'll do the tailgate. Right. But if it's the same crew and it, we're here, I'll take turns mm -hmm. so that everybody respects that time of who's speaking yeah. and what subjects we're talking about. Because yeah. I find that only interaction of respecting each other. Some people aren't strong readers mm -hmm. and having the team support you while right. you're trying to do something or do better. Yeah. And that makes a family connection. And that's an excellent And that, that's what makes that team. Me and Manny are trying to do is get everyone to work together instead mm -hmm. of against each other. Because yeah. like we talked about on so many podcasts, you're only as important as the last trade before you. Mm -hmm. And however trades. they leave you is how you're going to, what kind of mess you're going to be in. Yeah. So if you start treating each other like family and respecting each other, mm -hmm. you don't have that anymore. You have yeah. more finished and then everybody's done faster and made more money and sure. happy to work together. Yeah. <laughs> and you get less splinters when you go with the grain, right? Yeah. When you go against true. the grain, it hurts more. It's true. So Derek, in an ideal situation, how dreamy would your ideal workshop be? What uh, tool brand would be in that workshop? Because it's really funny that tool brands are not approaching you guys because it's basically giving crack to the kids. Like yeah. those kids are going to buy those tools yes. that they're starting out at. Right. Yeah. So in an ideal world, what are we seeing here? Are we seeing yellow? Well, I walked into the shop that had mostly yellow. Okay. Uh, there was two, like I said, two DeWalt. 
uh, chop saws that were at that school and then the DeWalt drills. I guess the teacher before had some sort of uh, relationship with somebody from that company. So that's what was there. In an ideal world, my tools would be blue. Turquoise, actually. It's because you're partly Portuguese, too. (laughs) Makita. Makita. My first set of tools was a 400... I still remember the price. It's weird. $400 kit that came with a battery, corded circ saw, flashlight, uh, 18 volt battery and a sawzall. That was my first kit in a big plastic tool. It wasn't I a, still it, have that. It, Me too. It, I still like, have the box. I won't even let it sorry. go. It, it, it wasn't a sawzall though. It was a reciprocating, reciprocating saw. saw. Thank <laughs> you. I, let's just get I it do that straight. On site let's all the time. just get it straight. Yeah. That's all it is, right? Well, that's how you can tell the experience on the job site, right? We didn't call it by its real name. Call it by its street name. Well, and <laughs> it's creds. Yeah, it's street cred. That's funny. But that's good. Yeah. So my my, my favorite tool, like I have, uh, I have a couple of uh, twelve volt uh, Makita. Uh, you know, small drills. Uh, I got impact drivers and things like that. Three yeah. uh, 18 volt. I got a, a two impacts and I got a just a drill driver and a hammer drill. Uh, Makita. It's all, it's all been Makita. I found Makita for me, for my job. It was uh, light enough for me to work with all day and it was durable enough for me to work with all day. Uh, I found the older DeWalt tools heavy. They're more for they heavy are. duty. They're, now they're pretty good because we got a couple of the eight, uh, 20 volt max. they still work. It, yeah. <laughs> It, it still does the job, right? I see what the guys are building in the cities all the time. I pay attention, and yeah. they have caveman tools. Yeah. I'm talking about, um, uh, you know, Canadian tire tools. Oh yeah, on maximum these, on these billion dollar corporations. <laughs> right, it's pretty nuts, and they're all talented. It's yeah. not about the tool; it's yeah. about the guy behind the tool. Right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah Hand tool sure. wise, hammers and what? What do you guys have in there? E swing? Uh, no, actually, there is a. Uh, a few Bostitch hammers. Uh, there's a couple of S-wings. There's a bit of a whole mishmash. Bostitch I even got some hammers? of these. Bostitch makes hammers. Yeah, yeah, they're really bad for your wrist. Yeah, <laughs> not, no, they're not. The, they're not my favorite. But that was at the. That's what but the ones that were at the school. But they're free. Framing squares, levels. What are you guys playing around with? There? Uh, Johnsons. There's a, there's a couple of different levels there. Johnson. We got a couple of Johnsons. You could probably I've, reach out to Dewalt and get a bunch of those uh, carbon fiber ones that they try to launch in the market and never went flu. Funny you mentioned Dewalt. I, I did send him an email as part of a teacher. It was a long email explaining what we were trying to do and. And how was Chris? I am still waiting for a response. Uh, Chris, you know Chris won't get back to you. I guarantee you, he won't get back to you. Yeah, well, I don't know who Chris is, but it was uh, it was somebody in Dewalt, but it never got back. Uh, listen, I still I still own Dewalt, and I still buy Dewalt. Okay, they all have their place. My condolences. Yeah, for sure. But I'm typically a Hilti and Makita guy. Right, and that so. speaks to the heavier construction. That I can't you believe you started it. by saying I still buy and still own Dewalt, the, but hey, you're you know, loyal to Hilti. Listen, and Makita. Kita. Listen, this is the most important part. Whatever gets the job done. I don't buy tools. <laughs> I don't buy tools to look cool. Right. I buy tools that meet my budget, mm-hmm. what works, yep. and what lasts. For sure. Everything I've bought so far, it's all mixed match. I got a lot of batteries, man. Oh, got yeah. a lot of batteries. That's the one part. That's, That's the, the awful part. It. That's the awful part about it all because I don't have any loyalty to one company. Mm-hmm. I like one or two things from each Hilti? company. Right. I really do love Hilti. <laughs> The rotary, the Hilti rotary hammers that we used to use on site, those were those were kick ass, man. Those were awesome. <laughs> but I'm using a Hilti drywall gun. Like I've got two drywall guns, okay. one on a strip and yep. one by hand. Like wow. it's bizarre. How Some do you people- find those strip ones? I've never used one of those. I don't like them. Yeah. I'm sorry, but wow. I don't. They're nice when they're set up. Okay. Like if you've got a laborer and he's taking care of you while and, you're going. And, and once he goes into the corner, then you then you're back to you know, in your pocket again, right? Right. right? Okay. Um, I don't got time. It's not my job. 
to take care of those things. It's mm-hmm. my job to teach those guys how to have everything ready for me. Right. And then when they get to that stage, then I get them somebody. That's okay. how it's supposed to go, right? Excellent. Do you you in, the, in the classroom, you touching any Thailand at all? I haven't done yet, but that's one of the things I'm looking into. Uh, I have a few. I have a whole bunch of ideas, and my, my students are, are getting annoyed with me and my ideas. But Because I keep saying, I'm going to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. But it's pending on approval from board and principal what's right? the um, like i don't understand the approval process if you want to teach money. them how to it's money everything's uh, money right with the school board everything is about managing pennies you know not to sound I get but it's, it. it's how it is it's, I get it's what it, it is right it they gotta, and it's for me in construction it's almost like you have to let the person in charge know the value of your program in order yeah. to get more funding and that's yeah. what i've been trying to do and a lot of it for me is just open communication i leave the door open so they hear the machinery going off. They can smell the wood in the hallways. I invite the principal and vice principal to come in. I invite the teacher to come into my classroom because they're not going to find anything that they don't want to see, right? Uh, I've heard compliments of custodial staff in my school. says, these kids are never sitting down. Like, you're always working. You have so much projects on the go. I'm like, yeah, and? They're like, well, the, it was never like that That's before. the classroom. But it should be. But a lot yeah. of the times it wasn't. Either A, the teacher didn't have enough motivation to want to do that, or they didn't have ideas that I'm bringing to the table. Because I think I'm bringing different ideas. Even the conversations I have with the teachers from around the board, I got voluntold to become subject council chair last year. So when COVID hit and we switched gears and, and I kind of took the lead in, in developing all these uh, curriculum and the, the Google Classroom, subject council chair sent me a, took me aside and said, hey, listen, you know, I think you'd be a good candidate for subject council chair. I'm going to nominate you for it. You know, what do you think about that? And I went, oh, okay, it was in my second year. I'm like, oh, I'm a little still, I'm still a little green at this, but yeah, I can see what, what we say. Put it out there, and everyone unanimously voted for, for me. I don't know if it's because they wanted to dump their responsibility on me because they didn't want to. You were still it. hungry, they weren't. I guess yeah. that's, that's what I'm that's thinking too, right? It. That's pretty much what it was. So they're, they either they got fed up with it or they knew something I didn't know, and maybe you know, there was no, a lot it, of responsibility that people's they energies are different, and they saw that you loved you, you loved where you were and yeah. you wanted to make a difference. Yeah, and, and I, that's hard to find. You don't want to take that away, you want to encourage, encourage it, it, right? Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. the same thing would encourage with the students as well. Yeah. When you see that passion, like you want to you want to feed that passion and feed that fire. Yeah, and I think that's what happened with, with me is they looked at me and says, Yeah, you can you can do this. And, that's kind of what I've done. And I believe communication is everything. Like inviting the principal into the classroom and seeing what we're doing, I've gotten her confidence in pursuing m- bigger projects and asking for more funding. Our school board had a apprenticeship, or not apprenticeship grant, sorry, a, a grant for SHSM, but we had to apply for it. So they would give us up to, I think it was eighteen or $19,000. But you have to come up with a proposal and the, the reasoning behind what you, what you want. So I gave them a whole, you know, essay basically and we got approved for ten thousand dollars so that's going to go into purchasing new equipment for the shop that's going to go into purchasing uh merchandise uh and and kind of like um promotional swag to promote the program to get more eyes on the program and i'm hoping to get as many eyes as i can on it tools so that forget about the swag yeah (laughs) well tools is big because we started with three three drills now we're up to nine so it's fantastic I kept getting the question, well, why do we need more drills? I'm like, well, I have 21 students and Everybody I want to keep to them engaged. One. Yeah, that's right. At least not one per, but at least have, you know, uh, one for every two. That way, the more opportunity these students have to work, the less opportunity they have to 
cause trouble in the classroom. I wish we met sooner because when I made that switch from DeWalt and I got rid of all my DeWalt stuff, I just did it. I wish I was there. <laughs> I, just did it, I just did a group text to everybody. I go, whoever wants to show up here and grab it because wow. I'm not touching any of this stuff. So. You should have just pulled up to my house. <laughs> and and guess who showed up first? Which trade showed up first? Uh, the painter. Plumber. Oh. Wow. <laughs> and he took the bulk of it. I said, whoever shows up first, usually man. They usually they want Milwaukee. I was going to say, it must have been before the Milwaukee, <laughs> before they became Plumber. I think he just wanted it because he's like one of those guys. But I was just going to say. Portuguese? Natalian. Oh. <laughs> so your school, what's the next closest school that has a similar program to yours? In my area, there is just down the road, maybe two kilometers away, it's uh, WG Davis. Has There's another a school. construction program. Usually okay. a lot of the schools have construction programs, but another specialist high skills major is actually probably seven or eight kilometers up uh, north of us, uh, Fletcher's Meadow in uh, the Peel Public Board. They have that one there too. And then we're at St. Augustine and we're the only SHSM construction program in the Catholic Board in Dufferin Peel. Uh, and that was started by my former shop teacher who planted the seed for me to become a teacher. He started the program. I'm just trying to build that program and, and make it as good as I can so that these students walk away with stuff. And part of the SHSM program, they have to do seven certifications, first aid, WMIS, CPR, working at heights. And then they have two optional certifications that we can pool, uh, we can get from a pool of about 13 or 14. Usually I do uh, leadership and customer service. Uh, we also do fire safety as part of a certification in the classroom. Okay. Um, and that's all paid for by the government. That's about $600 worth of uh, certification that they get for free. Right? And for then, each student. For each student, yeah. Each student that participates has to show those certifications, and then that's part of and it. And I'm, I'm glad you're, you're saying the number right now because one of the reasons people don't take these safety courses when they become adults mm -hmm. out of school yeah. and start their own businesses is because of how expensive everything is. For sure. Yeah. And, and it's important to stay on top of the certificates, right? Absolutely. Like not, not just at school. You have to, yeah, I, I have to you upgrade. Like, tool. I got like 30 certificates I have to upgrade every year. It's ridiculous. Wow. Like half the time you're in class. So right where, I, where I was going with that, Derek, is that how do we get the government to get more of these into more schools so well, we have more students? Yeah. It's, it's, well, one, it's got to be a teacher. Teachers got to be willing to, to take on that responsibility because ultimately the teachers got to uh, ask for it for the SHSM program. We just had three new construction teachers hired and two of them are already asking questions about SHSM and how they can participate in that program or at least start an SHSM in their school. Ultimately, that's what it is. It's the teachers. The government's ready to spend money. The government's putting money towards trades right now. As you guys know, they're dumping all kinds of money in the trades. So it's up to us in the trade and us as teachers to be aware of that and to try to use some of that so that we can fund these high school programs so that we can put more tools or not tools, literal tools, but tools as in tricks of the trade and knowledge to these kids and knowledge to the parents, which we takes us right back full circle, that construction life is a viable career. It's yeah. not a backup plan. Yeah. Like a lot of people say, oh, you know, my dad, it was funny. He used to tell me, why don't you go work in uh, a nice place and wear nice supper things, you know, nice, nice <laughs> shoes to work. <laughs> and I used to tell him that, dad, who's going to, who's going to build the building for me? Because I'm going to be in line waiting to get that job wearing nice clothes. <laughs> and across the street there, they're building construction. I can go work instead of waiting in line. And come back full circle 15 years later, I'm wearing nice zapatinhos to work <laughs> as, <laughs> as a teacher, right? So it's, it's kind of uh, funny. And it's funny. funny. Portuguese dad, never happy. As I had my career in maintenance, and I was thinking about becoming a teacher. He's like, oh, you have a nice job. Why are you going to quit this job to become a teacher? I'm like, that, that's, that's what? 
you just told me that I had to wear nice shoes to go yeah. to work, and now you're yeah, telling me don't go exactly. to work. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's one of those things where uh, you know you have to. Um, we as teachers have to go out and and want to pass these skills on, and that's one of the re- that's one of the main reasons, other than my two young children, that I wanted to become a teacher. Right? There's, there, I think I have I totaled up about fifteen or twenty reasons that I wanted to become a teacher. And then at the forefront, my why, my reason for doing it, my number one was my kids. One, I could spend more time with them in the summer, March break, winter break. Then it was educating kids, the next, the next generation, teaching them that this isn't a backup plan and having to instill this knowledge and even the work ethic that we talked about into these students so that they know that this is not a backup plan. And I keep saying that. And that's why I have more respect for the high school level teachers than I do the college level teachers. I remember the, I, the father figures that I never had were the teachers that were my wood shop teachers, my machine shop teachers. Mm-hmm. They were my friends. They were the ones that inspired me, directed me, you know, got yeah. me to. And I still remember those people. So, like, I know that you go and cycle, and I'm not just speaking about you, but the other teachers that might be listening Mm -hmm. sometimes you think that those kids just move on and they forget about you no they don't you're more important than the actual education it's about you know what you like you you have so much involvement Mm -hmm. in what you're creating yeah these are so many monsters you're releasing and either they become successful Mm -hmm. or they stay monsters right yeah exactly and then i think it's because construction or you know shop teachers relate to those bad kids, quote unquote, bad kids, because difficult, we probably difficult, difficult kids, <laughs> because we were those kids. Like I know I was. I think that's why I I connect with them so well. Yeah. I talk to other teachers in school, and I tell them that you know this student is doing this, this, and this, and then look at me, go, you get him, you get you get that student to do work. I can't get my I can't get him to stay awake in class because I have no respect for him. That or maybe because it's different classroom. It's, the, it's exactly different that. environment. That's exactly right? it. But they just they're they're. But you're they're still in charge of that environment, no matter what course sure. it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just it's finding the engagement. I think that it, being passionate does help because I think it it it, it exudes you know uh, more uh, wanting to do work for the teacher. If you have a teacher who's not very passionate, doesn't really care, you're like, yeah, whatever. He doesn't care. You'll sense it. As soon as you get into the classroom, you'll sense it. Yeah. Are Uh, kids using technology a lot? Yep. Are are they all over social media and looking at whoever's online talking about construction and... Generally, yeah. And even in the in the classroom, I, I push them to use technology. Like even now, we were, we were talking about before we went on the air, I'm using a, a 3D software. Um, yeah, you were saying. It's floorplanner.com is, is what I recently discovered. And For free. I'm getting, it's a free software. I yeah. know, I like those. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> but I'm teaching them about blueprint reading and how it's important to know blueprints because the ones that can read blueprints are generally the ones that go on to become site supers. Yeah, well, they're the ones them. that get a phone. They're the ones that get a truck. Yep. They're the ones that get a gas card. And they're sure. the ones that don't have to work with their hands, but with their head. With their head, yeah. And if yeah. the more you can learn how to work with your head rather than your back, the better off you'll be long term. Oh, And definitely. I learned that when I was on site and I had the 40-year-old and when I was at the time 20, and he couldn't even walk up the stairs because his knees were broken, shot or his back broken. were shot. Right? I know. And hey, I'm here. I saw that. At a, <laughs> I saw that at a young age, and I go, I don't want to look like that. And that's where I kind of, I guess, started thinking. I had a forward thinking of saying, okay, where can I go and still be involved in construction? And how but there's ways to be a tradesperson. Doesn't matter how hard the trade, which mm-hmm. hard trade it is, For sure. and still do it smarter yeah. or harder. Yeah, right. yeah. And there's totally ways. Right. It's just the ego's in the way, and they just want to prove something. Yeah. 
but they're going to damage certain things. Well, like, I know how many herniated discs you have and yeah. all, all that stuff, right? No, but <laughs> like, gonna go for example, <laughs> I got to pick up a fence and yeah. I got to, you know, make it safe so no one comes onto the construction site. Instead of me picking up that 60, 70 pound fence by myself, mm -hmm. I just call someone over for a yeah, second. There's always a second and, body, yeah. man. Yeah. It's or, done. You can make, or you can make a little jig or something, right? We just forget when we're young. We just don't realize. And I wish I would have listened to all the older guys mm -hmm. how brittle and fragile our bodies are. When yeah. you have testosterone, mm -hmm. you have no idea about pain. Yeah. But when that testosterone leaves, uh, the pain kicks in. For sure, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I did want to say, because I could tell Manny's uh, up to that wrap-up time. It's almost two hours. Uh, I just I wanted to say <laughs> one thing. I, I feel that in high school, I really would like to see more thermal break and insulation and vapor barrier oh, talk. Oh, you're not there yet, man. Because like, the one so... thing that I always see in the rookies that come into construction, mm -hmm. they never understand that part, and it's always screwed up. Yeah. It's not the most glamorous part to talk no, about. No, but why. but it is yeah. because it's if important. That's not, but I if, don't think it. I think it's too soon at that. I, I know, but if they're not a, mentally, they're not mentally there yeah, talking about that to try to explain them all. all that stuff. I don't yeah. know. That's and, a good idea, and, and one last thing I wanted to say was I've worked with. I've mentioned this many times before, but I'll say it again. Mm -hmm. I've worked with people that have gone to college and paid for their education, mm -hmm. and they feel like they're getting their money's worth or. They had a great time in yeah. college. Nope. Their parents I, paid I trained, for something. I trained a or, dozen of those people on site, actually. I've, <laughs> I've had those guys come and work for me. And next to them having mathematics mm -hmm. and some theory, they sucked at work. Yep. They yep. showed up late. They never had the right attitude. Mm -hmm. they, and they never knew how to put it together. Send your mail and, to Cardinal. And so when I said to you that I didn't like college and university, mm -hmm. that it was because not because of college and university. I think yeah. it's important. Yep. I just think that the teachers or the people responsible for these courses aren't doing enough to straighten out the kids when they have the opportunity I to. I agree. Yeah. Well, it's, we got to... It's feed, not their fault, but it's someone's fire. fault. It is someone's fault. Yep. Something needs to change. That's the system I, uh, because we feed the fire. Yeah, totally. High schools tell students to go to college, university to get an education. To no, this I may be I may be off off key a little bit. Don't send your hate mail to me, please. But <laughs> send it to Manny want, directly. <laughs> we want to feed the college universities to keep the teacher pension going. To keep again, I may be off, but. We you're not. You're the, not off. You're we not. We want to off. keep that going. No, there's no. some good things that come out of it. Absolutely. It's just there's really? not for certain. There's just not parts. enough love put into the kids. Yeah. Where like the high school teen, uh, uh, teachers, mm -hmm. I think they I lose had their way experience. the moment that there's a dollar value attached to the education of that. Yeah. Especially when it comes to construction. And yeah. someone that doesn't know your like what you're teaching. Shouldn't be in charge. And, of and you. if anything, if you're paying for that education to be in construction, mm -hmm. you as an instructor should be working ten times harder than harder. you yeah. as an instructor in high school to deliver that quality yes, curriculum. That's yeah. what I and they're not. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I've seen it, but they're not. Yeah, right? a lot of that's cash grab. Uh, I would, I would opinion. definitely encourage if you haven't already to all your students, use social media mm -hmm. and reach out to whoever they respect out there mm -hmm. and DM them, ask them a question, pick right. their brain. Mm -hmm. Because from the guys and girls that I know that have been on the show and that I engage with on social media, mm -hmm. they embrace that. They don't brush it off their shoulders and go, oh, why is this punk kid asking me questions? Mm -hmm. You should be embracing those questions. So don't tell your students, don't be discouraged to reach out to professionals right. on social media because they will answer you back. 
That's a good advice. And, and I think that unless that, you're a tool reviewer, then you don't give a shit. And, <laughs> I, and I and I think something even and it might be more important to me than it is you guys. The one thing I see that's wrong is that in school it feels like it's about the one athlete. It's mm-hmm. not about the team yeah. athletes. Yeah. And I think that whoever's listening that it's at a young age, while you're going through high school or college for construction, you should pay attention to all the guys that did well mm-hmm. and make friends with those guys because those are leads for jobs and potential great businesses for the future. Absolutely. So working, it's, it's a brotherhood. And I always say the guys in the union have it the best. They protect the weak and the, the strong keep the weak going. Right. Even if they don't like it or not, it's mm-hmm. a brotherhood, yeah. and this should all be a brotherhood, and that's what we're trying to do, right? For and sure. by the way, this cost me money to come here. <laughs> <laughs> Missed out on a couple of jobs. <laughs> One last segment, Derek. Really appreciate. I know that we can't give out details from you, but we'll figure it out later on in the year. We'll have you back on the show for sure. Hopefully, maybe like we discussed, it'd be at the school yep. where we can actually engage with the kids and yeah, that'd be sick. Answer yeah, awesome. and ask questions, yeah. and then we can give them the the, the nitty gritty. Once COVID, I want the toughest kids. I want the toughest kids. I'm gonna try to make kids. them. Because yeah. I was that kid. <laughs> we have the last segment. <laughs> Twelve questions here. Are you ready for this, man? I think so. What is your favorite construction word? I'm done. <laughs> what is your least favorite construction word? Where is the tool? <laughs> what turns you on in construction? What turns me on? Uh, creativity. What Excellent. turns you off in construction? Laziness. Yeah. What is your favorite curse word? Uh, could be in any language. Ah, I knew it was Portuguese. <laughs> what man. is your favorite vehicle? Could be anything. And everybody needs to remember that Carlitos is a space shuttle. <laughs> Formula One race car. Formula One. Oh, not bad, not bad. <laughs> what is your least favorite vehicle? Uh, Volkswagen Golf. Oh, I thought it was going to be a Yugo, man. <laughs> <laughs> what construction center noise do you love? The miter saw starting up. Chop mm. saw. A Makita one. <laughs> what construction center noise do you hate? The driver bit missing the screws. Oh, I hate that noise. There's a difference between the that. impact and stripping. Yeah, because then you know you just spent six bucks on another bit. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? That's an interesting one. Profession I would like to attempt. Principal. No, no, too much responsibility. Um, <laughs> too much responsibility, not a Wow, good for mm-hmm. them. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, I tried my construction. I tried carpentry. I tried teacher. Mm. What's race, next? Race car driver. <laughs> wow. What profession would you not like to do? Principal. <laughs> <laughs> if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, well done. It's been a great show, man. It's been awesome. It's been fantastic. It's great to finally meet and talk. And I know that this is a conversation that we'll have many more times because mm-hmm. it's an important one. We're, we're trying to do what we can to get more and more kids mm-hmm. into this industry for the right reasons. Absolutely. Follow your passion. Yep. And obviously, we'll uh, speak to people. Reach for out, sure. talk. Yeah. Because I think that's the one industry that embraces people asking questions about getting into this industry absolutely that's a, that's a good uh, piece of advice and on that topic one question from for both of you two skills you like to see in a, in a young worker skills like skills, skills start like a starting a, uh, a young worker coming into your job site for the first time what kind of things are you looking for like don't be afraid things? to ask any question okay any question right don't be afraid and uh, i was going to say just be on time mm. Uh, I was no forget the be on time thing. Be respectful of the technology that's in your phone. You on a job site, constantly on a mobile device, mm-hmm. smartphone, you could get hurt 
or hurt somebody else mm-hmm. because you're not aware of your surroundings. Yep. Heads always down. Heads always down. I so I would just say class. be very respectful of the technology. That's it. Mm-hmm. Because you might miss. And, and I know that DGR, George, had a great point where he even hates radios on site. Okay. Yeah, right? I heard that He one. doesn't like that because there was a situation where someone was about to get hurt and the music was cranked too high. And he couldn't hear the guy and, yelling. And yeah, I literally yeah. had to run to him to, to basically get him out of the way from danger. Mm-hmm. So I just tell the kids, yeah, be respectful of the technology, man. For sure. Yeah, awesome. For me, the most important part about anybody starting with me at the beginning mm-hmm. is keeping the tools organized, changing the blades, keeping the batteries powered up. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all one piece. Right. Keeping clean. Yeah. That means like if I'm talking to Manny at the job site, it doesn't mean you sit there and you, you add into the conversation yeah. <laughs> or talk with me while I'm having a business talk. And even if I'm having a one-on-one base, this is me and a, another man yeah. speaking. Yeah. Grab a garbage bag, sweep the fucking place up. Mm-hmm. And when the place is clean and there's nothing to do, there's nothing to do. You find something. You can come and stand with me. I'm proud of you. Yeah. That's the first thing. And welcome to the supply teacher when Derek's off for a day or two. <laughs> and, and Everybody, sec- Carlito. And, and the second part, which is, which is the, the most important to me because it, it's a, a lot of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about it. I think that someone with responsibility with a vehicle shows me incentive of being a leader mm-hmm. and someone I can rely and depend on. Mm-hmm. And if you have a, a van or a pickup truck, mm-hmm. I know that you're the kind of character that if I'm at this job site and I have another customer calling me from another place and then mm-hmm. I need to have someone represent me there and I can send you there with a guy and some tools, that is so important. That is gold right. in my books. That's awesome. So, yeah, I always I always use a sentence with my students is uh, the the four words that you need to, to to say in a job site. How can I help? And that's as long as you have that attitude. How can I help? You're going to be taught so much in your life. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm trying to tell my students. Like, don't just you know, how can I help? What can I do? Right. And that's that's awesome. Yeah. And nothing like a clean site, man. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, There's only two. Derek, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. I hope some of your students listen to this one. Get right, some insight. I or will. don't. <laughs> we have our favorites. They can listen to a few of them. But it's always great to get us out of here, man. <laughs> so hopefully we have another show with Derek and we'll actually be with the students. We'll talk more. I know that this is a subject that we have to continue talking and see what we can do. Absolutely. It's really important. So we all love construction life and we all want more people to come into it. The right reasons and the right way. And you can live a long, long time working at this industry a career it's a career it's not about i totally agree with you man 100 yeah. percent. you're a little quiet a little yeah thing. straight out of mississauga <laughs> baby oakville <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah construction life 